Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Carrie Davis and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker, and good to have you with us for the holiday season. CD, how was uh, Thanksgiving? It was a pretty good weekend. Had a good time with family, friends, and uh, just hung out, ate good food. Didn't didn't overindulge. Ate. I did. (laughs) Ate just enough, trying Mm -hmm. to get myself back together. So it was a good weekend. I like to hear that. And yeah. now here we go into the, in, in radio, I always call it the silly season, but uh, we're, we're going to be serious here today. We've got a lot coming your way. We're going to talk to Chris Kerber and Danny Mack during the course of this show, a lot to discuss over the course of the weekend. And we'll start with your St. Louis Blues, who won on Saturday night over the Panthers. The Blues down 3-1 after one period in Sunrise, Florida, down 4-1 after two periods. And... Carrie, you and I both watching, both thinking, this looks suspiciously like the eight-game losing streak. <laughs> Looked a little familiar. <laughs> it felt a yeah. little familiar. That the, the first couple of periods, just um, as I was asking you, just not not getting back in front, not not taking care of the puck, um, leaving Grice out to dry at times. I think there were a couple of saves where he should have made, where there was no no um, interference in front of him, no distraction in front of him, but. Just not playing well, but found a way in their third period mm-hmm. and, and overtime to <laughs> right the ship and get things going in the correct direction, getting the puck in the net. But the, the, the ups and downs of this team will leave you a little bit worried game to game, yeah. really period to period, not even game to game. From period to period, you you kind of trying to figure out who we are and what's going on. Blues outshot 17-11 to 11 in the first period, 16-6 to 6 in the second, so they're outshot 33-17 in the first two periods, but then the third period happened. 8-16, even strength Ryan O'Reilly. At the 11, uh, 13-43 mark, Jordan Cairo scores, and then Tarasenko scores his fifth of the year at the 16-11 mark to tie the game at four apiece. We go to overtime, and that's when the Blues talent takes over. In behind the net, waiting to break right to left. Slides it ahead. He's got Kairou behind the D. Kairou shoots, he scores! Bring out the Zamboni from a 3-0 deficit to a 5-4 win. The St. Louis Blues get out of Florida with two points on a massive comeback tonight. Third time the Blues in their history have come back from three goals down in the third period, and Jordan Cairo was terrific on that goal. But the Blues, we've talked about it a lot, Kerry, how the Blues' big guys need to step up. And in that period, it's O'Reilly, it's Cairo, it's Tarasenko, it's Cairo again. Yeah. Hey, hey, we, um, you and I had our picks for who would lead the team in goal scored, and neither one of us picked Cairo. No, we didn't. And he's got <laughs> I think, nine. I think Army knew something that you and really didn't know uh, when he signed him to that contract extension. He's been playing much, much better. That's one of the guys that we talked about. All the talent in the world, a guy that you know can play uh, at a high level and is showing it and showing up in big times. And, and you know, hats off to him for, for sticking with it, not giving in, not giving up, um, but just continuing to go after it and, and continuing to do it. It's, it's fun to watch. And the Blues will welcome the Dallas Stars to town tonight. 
Uh, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And at the moment, Dallas leads the Central Division with 28 points. The Blues still in the second wildcard spot as we speak, six points behind Dallas. So, Coach Craig Berube, what happened between the second and third period? I thought in the second we had a lot of zone time, but we kept just throwing the puck blindly to the slot. And they countered and gone the other way. Like, just it's about it's a, it's about a, being a little bit more patient in the offensive zone and not giving a puck back. They want to play on the run, and I said we need to play a territorial game, and that's what we did in the third. Controlled the game of, in down in the third period, and uh, great effort, second effort, third effort on pucks, and just battling. And that's what you got to do. They, they, if you, you can't give them that rush game, they're good at it. Chief says play a territorial game, and they do in the third period. And by the way, we mentioned that the Blues were outshot 33-17 in the first two periods. In the third period, they outshot the Panthers 19-4. He talked about taking care of the puck. We talked we, we th- when they were losing games on that eight-game losing streak. That was one of their main issues: not taking care of the puck, um, not getting back, not being more physical. I think when they are playing at their best, they are hustling. They are giving great effort. Effort is something you can control. It's not a talent thing. It's not It's not how, how fast you are. It's just how much you're willing to give of yourself to make sure that your teammates are not left out to dry. And he talked about effort. When you're not giving great effort in, in, in those periods, you're going to see what the results are. And they, they were down. They were down 4-1. And finally, you know, third period overtime, they found some some effort. They found some energy. And they found a win. And, and I hope that when this team – you know, when they watch film, when they decide, when they break things down, those are highlights. And I'm sure there are. Those are highlights where you say, hey, look, we're not getting back. We're not hustling. We're not doing the things, the minor details to give us an opportunity to win. But here in the third period, we are. When we won, when we went on that, that, that winning streak, these are the good plays that we have. When we right. went on the losing streak, these are the bad plays that we have. Who do we want to be? Because right now... We can be either team. <laughs> we, we definitely know that. We can be either one. And, and it's a toss-up from, from game to game, period to period. Showing effort, doing your job harder than the opposing team will lead to more victories, even if the team that you're playing against is more talented. College football this weekend. Missouri gets 380 combined yards from Brady Cook, and they knock off Arkansas 29-27. So Mizzou is bowl eligible at 6-6. Six and six. Congratulations to Matthew Rocchio's Tigers. Uh, on the other end of the coin. Around here, Andy Kerker. Yeah. Uh, other side <laughs> yeah. of the coin, the, uh, the other end of the spectrum. STL Today reports that leading receiver Dominic Lovett will enter the transfer portal. That doesn't mean he's leaving, but hello, USC. Well, you know, this is going to be the the... The landscape of college football is changing and has changed, you know, since NIL was introduced, transfer portal, the the ability to leave and go get money and go get, you know, opportunities in other places. You know, you can't be upset with the young man because he was he was leading the SEC and receiving at one point. He's he's the best player on that football team at this point. He's he's been playing extremely well offensively. He wants an opportunity to win more games, put himself in a position to make money and put himself in a position to have a higher draft stock. So if he does leave, you know, it, it, I can't be upset with him because that's what the that's what the portal is there for. It's an opportunity for guys who aren't playing enough, who are playing better. It's almost like it's almost it's, it's free agency every year, right? It is. It is a kid that that you know, you outplayed your contract and now I'm at the table to re up. And the the thing is and it was foolish for anybody, NCAA, we're talking to you, to think that this wasn't going to happen. But with the combination of the transfer portal where players don't have to sit for a year and NIL, 
you're getting players that are recruited by other programs. Yes. And the, the rule is supposed to be, supposed to be, that you don't know how much you're going to get in NIL until you go somewhere. But certainly, USC <laughs> is telling Dominic Lovett, hey, we can get you $250,000 or something like that. You know, every USC has 20, 20 transfers this year. you telling me that USC, those players that went there didn't know how much they were going to get in NIL? They had a clue. Yeah. And I'm sure they had an idea. And, you know, like I said, it, it's it's good for the kids. This is the, mm-hmm. the, the first time in 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 history of of. of amateur athletics where the amateur is actually on the upside. They're not having to deal with college coaches leaving left and right, getting millions of dollars and deciding to leave, and they're left there you know, at a program, at a university mm-hmm. that they don't want to be at anymore. They have an opportunity to leave. They have an opportunity to get paid uh, for their services because as much as people get frustrated with, with this NIL, every one of these kids are not going to the NFL. You know, so most of mm-hmm. the kids that are getting the NIL are, but there are programs that are giving NIL to entire teams. So they're spreading it across. So so to to be able to make some money while you're in college is a beautiful thing and I'm so happy for these yeah. young men and you know, hopefully hopefully he does stay. Hopefully Mizzou can figure some things out and he does stay, but you know, if he does decide to leave, you can't no, be too frustrated is, with him. This is uh, and we saw over the weekend, we'll talk about this later. Why David Shaw left Stanford? Stanford's going to be a bad program from yeah. here on out because they don't want to play in that game. And the the twelve blue bloods, and by the way, it's been this way for a hundred years, so it, it's nothing new. But the twelve blue bloods are just going to continue to dominate even more. Just keep picking up what the, what the others yeah, are leaving exactly. behind. <laughs> the, the thing is now, yeah, they're they're going to be able to poach from. The Mizzou's, the Illinois's, the Minnesota's, the Indiana's, those teams that have two, three, four really good players, they aren't going to have those players anymore because they're going to go to Alabama, to Texas, to USC, to uh, Ohio State, to to Michigan, to those schools. One of Mizzou's best players last year went to LSU, uh, Wingo. Wingo, So there are are plenty of opportunities for these young men to go other places. And like I said, I think – you want to be in a place where, you, where you're going to win. It's frustrating if you're a Tiger, if you're a Mizzou fan, because if those guys stay, you feel like, well, we can eventually get to those wins. But if they're always leaving and going out of the door, it makes it hard on the coaching staff, but that's what you're there for. you got to keep recruiting your kids that are in-house right. and recruiting the kids that you're trying to get to come to your school. You're fighting a line. I hammered Northwestern 41-3. to Chase Brown. 61 yards. He finishes second in the country with 1,643 yards. First among Power Five schools. Randy, I, I, I you know, people are all, will always say, "Well, if they told you in the summertime that Illinois would be eight and four, you would have been ecstatic." Hmm? I would have been, but we're not in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched games, and I watched them lose games to a Purdue team, to a Michigan State team, to a to an Indiana team. Those three losses put you in a position where you could potentially be playing where you would be playing in the in the Big 10 championship with a one loss game with a one loss team versus a Michigan team and you lost to the Michigan team at Michigan by a field goal this is in, it, it, it's a bit infuriating and now the reason why I get so so caught up on making sure you take care of it when the opportunity presents itself this team will not be the same next year. Mm-hmm. You cannot make an assumption that, oh, we went 8-4 and four this year. Oh, we'll go 10-2 and two next year. This team will be drastically different from the team that they have right now. There are going to be plenty of guys that are going to the NFL. There are going to be guys that are, are graduating, that are moving on. It will be a, a completely different team, and there is no, there is no guarantee 
that you will have the success that you had this year. You got to take care of the business when it's in front of you and not let it slip through the cracks. If nothing else, you beat Purdue and Michigan State and you're in the Big Ten Championship game. Forget the Indiana loss. We'll we'll chalk that up. It was early in the season. You lose those two games at home and not have an opportunity to win the Big Ten West. Purdue is going. You're watching. And it stinks. And nine and three, you might be looking at a, a New Year's Six game too. Possibly. Yeah. Now we're looking at the. I, I, they changed the name to the Outback Bowl. What? Yeah. Reliant Quest. Re- yeah, Reliant Re- Quest. Reliant. Bowl. Come on. <laughs> Come on. College basketball yesterday. The Auburn uh, Tigers War Eagle knocked off SLU 65-60 at Auburn. SLU was up late, couldn't hang on to the lead, and they only went one of eleven from the free throw line in the second half. If you just go six of eleven. In the second half from the free throw line, that game is 65-65 headed overtime. So that's how, that one's on the Billikens when you lost Randy, at Auburn. You are a coach and you go one for 11 at the free throw line. You are pulling whatever hair you have left mm-hmm. out. And, and you lose by five. I mean, simple math tells you if you if you hit seven of them, you, you win. <laughs> you win the game. Yeah. And, and so you got to be – those are – when you're a coach and you're coaching young men, those are things you have to learn from, and hopefully that loss stings really bad when they look at the film and understand, hey, we didn't do, we didn't, we didn't, they didn't win this game. We gave it to them. We lost it. So hopefully next time out we'll be a better team. We'll be a better. We'll play better. And it's one thing when these losses would happen, you know, last year, two, three years ago, or in the heydays of Hassan French and, and Goodwin, because they just weren't a very good free throw shooting team. They were the seventh best free throw shooting team in Division 1 coming into mm-hmm. this game. This is something I, we talked about earlier this year as a problem they finally were able to solve in the Travis Ford era and then with a chance to get the biggest win of the season and kind of maybe erase that 20 point you know, shellacking they took from Maryland kind of off the resume mm-hmm. and re- kind of re-counterbalance it, they just they completely fall apart in, in that one arena where they'd been so much better. That's, that's the heartbreaking part about it. And Gibson Jimerson, who's their best shooter, only had three shots in the last nine minutes and 12 seconds of regulation. He was four of seven going into uh, that, that time, and he wound up going four of nine, including a shot with, with nine, 12 left. You have to get the ball in his hands when you're down two or three. And you know what? A great example of that. Early in the game when they were down you know, nine, eight, nine, ten early, the reason they were able to get back into the game is because they force-fed yep. Gibson Jimerson shots, especially in transition, and that just that evaporated, like you said, late in the second half, and that was a big problem. On Saturday, Mizzou moves to 7-0 with a 105-69 route of Houston Christian, and your Illini beat my Lindenwood Lions 92-59 yeah. on Friday. So somebody had to win, right? Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Hockey is back on ESPN. Shoots, he scores! And their quest for Lord Stanley starts right here tonight. Blues and Stars. Pre-game at 6. Puck drop at 7. The wait is over! Hear every Blues game on your exclusive home for Blues Hockey. 101 ESPN. Tangled with Mother Nature? Get over to CarStar Auto Body Repair Experts. See us at CarStar.com. The Hot beefy cheesy mcdonald's triple cheeseburger is now just 259 so you better do your mouth stretches it's piled high with three all beef patties topped with two slices of melty american cheese and all served on one warm toasty bun it's truly a mouthful but at just 259 the mcdonald's triple cheeseburger won't stretch your budget just make sure to bring your appetite prices and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal 
This holiday season, Diamonds Direct gives you the gift of 0% interest financing for three years on any purchase. With high prices and high interest rates everywhere else, Diamonds Direct is here with the incredible shopping experience you need. Our guaranteed best value prices will save you money. And with 0% interest, you can spread your payments over three years with no finance charge, period. And for this holiday season, we're showcasing an expanded selection of affordable and timeless holiday gifts. Rings, earrings, pendants, bracelets, colored gemstones... And if you're upgrading her diamond or getting engaged over the holidays, we have one of the largest diamond selections in America. All sizes and shapes, all cut for maximum brilliance, and all offered at our amazing direct importer, no middleman prices. Check out our holiday gift guide now at diamondsdirect.com. Buy now or come into the showroom. Let one of our experts guide you in finding the holiday gift that's at the top of their list. And enjoy three years zero interest financing on any holiday purchase. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Sure, Black Friday was on Friday, but you have Black Friday all season long with the Home Loan Expert. No need to wait in line for the Black Friday deal from Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert. The Black Friday deal that the Home Loan Expert has lasts all holiday season long. Getting the deal is simple. Just fill out the digital application at thehomeloanexpert.com slash Friday before January 1st. After your loan closes with Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, you'll get up to $1,000 cash back and you don't have to stand in line all you have to do is hop online heck do it today on cyber monday go to thehomeloanexpert.com fill out that approval form at thehomeloanexpert.com slash friday the deal only good through the end of the year so grab it while you can get started today and get started on that refi or get pre-approved for that new home by going to st louis's home loan expert the home loan expert ryan kelly again the uh, web- website to go to is thehomeloanexpert.com slash friday get there today. Does your furnace grumble like it's recently possessed? Or has too many pumpkin guts put your garbage disposal in distress? Holy call Hoffman Brothers! Hoffman Brothers is the place to call to chase away those gremlins that invade your heating, cooling, sewer and drains, air ducts, plumbing, electrical, appliances, and more. With fast, friendly service that won't scare you. Holy call Hoffman Brothers! 314-664-3011 or go to hoffmanbros.com Live broadcasts, appearances around town with our crew. Where will the 101 Bomberito Street Fleet be out next? Check out our schedule of upcoming events on the event calendar at 101ESPN.com. Driven by the Bomberito Automotive Group. Broadcasting from the Car Shield Studio, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Three things that we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN and CD. I'll get things started. And it was Saturday afternoon. Michigan rolls Ohio State 45-23. But for me, it wasn't just the fact that Michigan won the game. What I find impressive is that in this era of a quarterback-driven sport, that football is and the preponderance of passing granted Michigan got ahead with their passing game but they ran for 252 yards and they had an offensive line that wore down one of the best defensive lines one of the best front sevens in the country in Ohio State to the tune of 75 and 85 yard touchdown runs in the fourth quarter it's not just that Michigan won it's that Michigan physically dominated Ohio State on Saturday and 
One of the things I love about the weekend is that it was good for our buddy Dan Deardorff. I know that you hated the fact that Dan Deardorff uh, brought up the natural order of things, but uh, this this is not. The the fact that Harbaugh has his team physically beating the opposition, and Kerry, you're a coach. That's a hard thing to do in 2022. That is a beautiful thing. When you are physically able to take someone's – when you watch a team, when you're running the football and you watch a team eventually break – it, it, it is the most satisfying uh, part of a football game when they've just had enough. They cannot take it anymore. You're running the ball right at them. They know it's coming. You know you know it's coming, and they have no answer for it. And then you watch them. You it, you can watch film. You can watch a team. You can watch the play where they break, and they said enough is enough. And, they, and now from that point on, you have free access to do whatever you want to do. So you know, hats off to Michigan. I I, I was not as bothered by Dan Deardorff's comment. I he's a Hall of Famer. He's a hell of a man, a great player. Uh, that's his opinion. Didn't, I'm just saying he's right, but it's a, it's an opinion. He said there was an order of things in the in the Big Ten, and Michigan was in the higher, uh, higher, higher than we are. So yeah. as Illinois, I, I understand that. That's his opinion. Uh, my number one. You know what? I will go with, even though I, I just spoke about it a while ago, last segment, talking about Illinois and and not finishing the deal the way that I felt that they should have. Mm-hmm. They still went eight and four. They still have an opportunity to play in a bowl game. And, you know, for an Illini, that, as, as Mr. Deardorff so clearly pointed out to us last week, those are things that are hard to come by at times. So I want more. I, I think all Illini fans wanted more, especially the way that they were playing, the way that they were rolling. But the fact that they were able to finish the deal and to go into Northwestern and beat the hell out of them, anytime we can do that, they only scored three points. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Shout out to, to Sidney Brown, Chase's brother, twin brother, who actually scored more touchdowns than Chase did. Chase uh, had one touchdown. Wow. Sidney scored an interse- on an interception and on a fumble recovery, had a hell of a game. Uh, he's a hell of a football player as well. Sidney gets all of the limelight, but his twin brother, I mean, Chase Chase's gets all shit. of the limelight, but his twin brother, Sidney, is a hell of a football player as well. So shout out to the Illini. Number two. All right, CD, for me, I actually sat back and watched some World Cup soccer on Friday. Okay. okay. I, I watched the uh, the nil-nil draw on All the pitch right. between the United States the and shutout, England. Randy. It was a shutout. I'm so proud of you, Randy. It was, uh, it was, yeah, it was a, a shutout. shutout. First <laughs> U.S. shutout of England since St. Louis and Frank Borgie shut them out in 1950. Hey, USA. What I was really infatuated by was the fact that uh, the USA did have a shot on goal in the 90 minutes, uh, plus four, that they played. So congratulations to the USA for that shot on goal. There you go. Uh, in the, uh, in, in the, and congratulations to all of you who rightfully so bet the under on FanDuel Sportsbook for, for that match. For, for uh, <laughs> shout, you said shout out to those that did bet the under? Yeah, because oh, yeah. you, you came away with a W. Listen, yeah. You might get bit by a, a random you know six-goal total from Cameroon and Serbia, but just... Keep on betting those unders here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It'll, it'll, you'll you'll profit. Yeah. By the way, four shots on goal in the entire tilt. Ah, oh, that's yes. a lot. Three for the well, for three for England. I mean, you just tilt. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of medieval to it. Yeah. So it's, you know, English. Randy, like Randy it. knows his soccer. What are you talking about? He, Absolutely. He, he's been paying so, attention. Yeah, USA, USA, and let's let's just uh, clobber. We play Iran tomorrow, correct? So let's yes, uh, let's clobber the Iranians. All righty. <laughs> uh, my my number two. 
is the Los Angeles Rams and the and the manner in which they they continue to take L's. Better you than me to do this. Not only are they taking L's, their head coach got hit on the sideline by a player running onto the field. That was like a snapshot of their season. Like if you could if you could put bottle up their season in one play in one moment. You Google this picture, this this video of Sean McVay walking down the sideline, not paying attention, not knowing what's going on, unaware of his of, of where he is and what's going on. You know, as a football player, we are taught to keep your head on a swivel, meaning make sure you're looking left and right. Things are coming at you fast. He, he he's not he's not he's coaching them, but he's not taking his own advice. He got hit in the face on the sideline by a shoulder pad. His jaw swelled up, was, was swollen, and. Uh, it was just it's just a microcosm of what they are and where they are. They are three and eight. They've lost Cooper Cup. They've lost Matthew Stafford. Allen Robinson was reported he's gonna be out for the year. Yep. They Cam Akers quit on him at one point. Now he's back. This is who they are, and I, I for one, I, I couldn't be happier. Uh, that makes two of us. <laughs> Number one, I can't believe they didn't put McVeigh in concussion protocol. Oh, he definitely was he concussed. He was messed up. His jaw was yeah. swollen. Yeah. Like, you you could see it swelling up on the sideline. Uh, here's the other thing, and I know that you watched this. And we love Aaron Donald. He played here. He loved St. Louis. But Aaron Donald looks to me like a guy who doesn't want to play anymore. He's, uh, You know what? You'll see it in spurts. Like, there are times where he – it was a play where he just dominated the the, the right guard and threw him mm-hmm. to the backfield yep. and, and was back there to make the tackle. But it doesn't look as as convincing as it has no. over the last seven, eight years. It, it, it There are times, there are glimpses, flashes, where you see, oh, he's still there. Don't mess with him. Mm-hmm. But it's not as, as – it's not every single play where you're calling his name and you're worried about him. They are a different team. And and they mortgaged their future for a championship. I guess you can say good for them, but it's going to be some lean years here coming up for the next five to six years. Reggie White took a year off and then came back for a year with the Carolina Panthers before he ended his career. And Mike Martz was coaching the the Rams at the time when it was asked, hey, what do you think of the way Reggie's playing? He said he looks like a guy that's retired. And Reggie wound up having, I think, three sacks against the Rams because he got fired up. But it looks, <laughs> it looks to me like... Aaron Donald is a guy who's, unless somebody fires him up, he kind of looks like a guy who's ready to retire. He he was ready to retire after they won the Super yeah, Bowl. He yeah. had made a decision that you know it wasn't a, it, it didn't matter if he came back or not. And and when you're a player, when you already have that, and when you think retirement, it's time to retire. It's no point mm-hmm. because the 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 motive to keep you going every single day is not going to be the same. So he he made a decision to come back. They paid him a, a handsome amount of money mm-hmm. to come back, but he's not seeming like he's as interested as he was last season. Number one. My number one is Robert Sala and the New York Jets. They made a tough decision. Well, I guess it wasn't really that tough <laughs> to, to bench Zach Wilson, um, a quarterback that threw for 77 yards last week um, and brought in Mike White. Mike White played a few games last year um, and showed flashes of being a very good quarterback. What they did Saturday or Sunday was uh, was absolutely it, – it, it just – for, for you to be the head coach and make that decision and it turn out the way that it did, you win the game against the Bears. I'll, obviously, they didn't have their starting, starting quarterback mm-hmm. in Justin Fields, but you win the game 31-10. to 10. Mike White plays extremely well, throws a couple of touchdowns. This is a team that uh, making that decision is probably going to propel them into the playoffs and, and have, a, have an opportunity to do some good things there. Two points. Number one, before the season, the Bears traded Khalil Mack, and then they traded Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, and they look like they traded their best defensive yes. players. 
the word that I use, and I, I wish I could define it better, but the Jets just look crisp under Mike White. They look sloppy yes. under Zach Wilson. Yes. And they, he, there's just a, a crispness to their offense that makes them look really, really good. It, I mean, he, he gets uh, Elijah Moore back into the game. Remember how, how upset last week uh, Garrett Wilson yep. was after the game? He gets Garrett Wilson a couple long touchdown passes. They're a different team under Mike White. They are. And and as a, as a head coach, to make that decision to bench your first round quarterback and tell him not only are you not going to be uh, starting you're not even going to dress sir you you're going to sit on the bench and watch the game in street clothes and to make that decision in that moment you know this is a man that I think that this team and these uh, these men in this locker room say you know what I'll fight for him I'll do everything I can to make sure we win games okay you're a coach you've been in the NFL tougher to tell the quarterback or the owner Oh. The, 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 the number two pick in the draft is being benched. Probably the owner, <laughs> because hey, we're paying this guy. Why are we? Why is my money sitting on the bench? I, I don't. Right. I don't necessarily yeah. agree with that. Yeah. But you get the results. You win the game. No doubt. And and so therefore you have that to hang over and say, hey, we can we can win without him. And CD, my number one is the Blues win on Saturday night because it looked like things were spiraling out of control, and they looked for all the world like they were headed towards another eight game winning streak, which we kind of have fun with because of the the number of the day, but. For them, it's not fun, and ultimately, it's not fun for us when they're losing. We're better off when they're winning, and to be down like they were, 4-1 after 2, and look like they were just dead in the water, and then explode like they did. And by the way, it was Ryan O'Reilly that got things started again. He's imperative to the success of this team, but for them to come back and win that game should put a lot of wind in their sails as they play the Stars tonight. O'Reilly, Cairo, Tarasenko, all getting goals, getting them back into the game. When O'Reilly is playing well, this team is playing well. Tarasenko has not, you know, he he hasn't been scoring as much as we would expect him to. Hopefully, he gets that turned around and and can can get the puck in the net a little bit more. But Kairou playing the way that he is, he is a he is a very talented player, and and I see why the Blues wanted to pay him what they wanted to pay him. He they're, they're figuring some things out. I just need him to do it for all three periods. Don't pick and choose. Don't just assume that that teams are going to allow you to have your your way or your free will to do what you want to do. Go out there and take it from them. And, and when you have that mindset, you'll be better off. But like Doug Armstrong said about a month ago, well, he's playing like a $2.9 million yeah. player because that's what he's getting yeah. this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, I expect him to be that guy. He's headed, <laughs> he's headed in that direction. Kerry <laughs> Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, if you could pick a bowl for Mizzou and Illinois, what bowl would it be? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. But I got to ask, Matthew's got an update for you. But I got to ask: Is uh, has uh, have both teams ever scored three in a World Cup? Uh, I believe <laughs> both teams. Oh, that's a good question. Because you had three. like seven to two the other day. Yeah. Uh, I think there's been some three to three games okay. before. Yeah, I didn't see this one. Sorry, I didn't get uh, the live update because uh, in front of me in time, uh, we have another upset uh, going on in the World Cup brewing, right now. Ghana brewing. Yes, thank you. Ghana percolating. How about percolating? percolating. Ghana is up two zero over South Korea, which. Uh, very surprising. Ghana trying to move on to the round of 16. Korea is usually a, a solid, you know, guaranteed to be at least second in their group most World Cups. So I'm a little shocked here. All right. There's been a lot of upsets here in the World Cup. It's been fun. If it's not, if it's, there's either been 0 0 ties. Mm-hmm. Those have been great. Or completely shocking, like 2 1 games. Who so, did Ghana play in their first game? 
Uh, I'm I, I can't remember right who they were playing, but I was, tilt. I was watching it. I'm sorry, in their first tilt. Yeah. <laughs> on <match>. the pitch. Because <laughs> uh, the, the the president of the country was sitting there. He looked like one of the coolest guys in the world. Really? Okay. He just looked, he had on he didn't have on a suit and tie. He had on like he looked like a regular guy. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, Ghana played Portugal in their first Yeah, they, they played they Portugal. Three and two. Yeah. Portugal. They were cool actually too. winning at one point, two to one. I was watching it, uh, and see? then Portugal came back. We watch. Well, we watch. Hey, it's competition. Hey, knock on wood. Don't be jinxing the Ghanaians for no I'm just saying. I, I'm just Come telling. On. I, all knock I do is tell the truth, and I'm telling you what happened in the game. That. I don't believe in the announcer jinx. We're about to talk about Mizzou and Illinois and cares over here reminding people that he only talks about the truth. Coincidence? Yeah. I think not. Each, uh. each conference has deals with multiple bulls. For example, there are 11 teams in the SEC. Well, actually 13 if you include the two that are going to wind up probably in New Year's Six Bulls that are going to play in bowl games. Same thing with the Big Ten. So what we thought we'd do is take a look at the projections as they are right now for the bowl games and pick out what would be the most fun bowl for Missouri and Illinois. I want to start with this for you, Kerry, because it's not put down anywhere on paper, but it makes all kinds of sense to me if you want to market your bowl to a lot of people to have it come to the game. That would be Illinois and Mizzou in the Music City Bowl. I think that would be awesome. I I, I think just because, you know, we play each other, I think, in 25, 26, I Mm -hmm. think, when the rivalry starts back up, um, and and it's a border state. I mean, those two teams have played in the past. I played in those games. Those were very good games. We lost all four of them, but they were very competitive Mm -hmm. games for the most part. Um, but to be able to – and and what that means for recruiting. I mean, it, it, it's an opportunity yeah. for both of those staffs to say, hey, why would you go to Illinois? We're better. Hey, why would you go to Mizzou? We're better. So it, it's definitely a um, a big game for the for the, the coaching staff and for the, for the opportunity to recruit kids in this area. And another possibility, actually I think more likely than Illinois-Mizzou in the Music City Bowl, would be Mizzou and Kansas – in the Liberty Bowl, it'd be about an eight-hour drive for Kansas from Kansas City, four-hour drive for St. Louis fans to get to the Liberty Bowl. I've been to the Liberty Bowl. Memphis is fun, and Mizzou and Kansas would be an easy sellout. When I tweeted that, by the way, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl liked my suggestion oh, there that you it'd go. be that they should do it. Okay, so here are some of the projections. College Football News has the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl projection as Mizzou and Cincinnati. By the way, Yahoo also has Mizzou and Cincinnati in the Birmingham Bowl. I think Mizzou fans have pretty much had enough of the Birmingham Bowl. Well, I think in order to get a better bowl, you have to win more games. And so you kind of get stuck with whatever bowl. Being in a bowl game should be a great experience, no matter if you're going to the same place uh, multiple times. It's it's something that the kids – the, the, the coaches, more importantly, take pride in because they get more mm-hmm. practices and more opportunities. Playing against Cincinnati with, with Fickle leaving to go to um, Wisconsin, that's going to be an interesting one if they were to choose that right. one because how does that play out? We talked about you know kids entering the transfer portal. You got coaches going different places. The bowl season is always a crazy time because mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to be where by the time the bowl comes around. I think it's crazier now than ever. Illinois and Florida is the college football news projection for the ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa on January 2nd, the old Outback Bowl. I would like that. I, I would be like good. I would like that game. Uh, you know, both teams were orange and blue, so that, that you, you start there. You're kind of a home game for Florida, though. <laughs> it, well, we're accustomed to playing 
um, bowl games versus teams in their in their home state. That, that's what we do. We 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 end up always going to. Uh, we played USC mm-hmm. in the in the Rose Bowl. We played LSU in the Sugar Bowl. Um, we played uh, the Texas Bowl. We played a team in, from Texas. I think Baylor. Hey, we we our last six bowls, five or six bowl games, we have played against teams. I believe in that home state. So wow. it's it, it it we're we're accustomed to that. It's not a big deal. All right now. 24-7 sports projects Missouri and Baylor in the Liberty Bowl. Baylor was another 6-6 six and six team this year. That would be an interesting game, although Dave Aranda's a really good coach, and if both staffs have the ability to spend a month to get their teams ready, all due respect to what Eli Drinkwitz has done at Mizzou, I really like Dave Aranda and his staff at Baylor. So I don't think that would be one that would project as a win for the Tigers. How about a Music City Bowl between your fighting Illini and Mark Stoops' Kentucky Wildcats? I think that would be a good one as well. I, I think kind of like boxing matchup styles make fights. I think mm-hmm. our team, the way we run the football, I would like to see us against any SEC team, against any team that that uh, feels like they're physical. Kentucky is not one of those physical, dominating up front type of teams, but um, we are. Yeah, <laughs> and right. So I would like to see us playing against somebody where, where we get an opportunity to show what we do best. Now, South Carolina just finished up with – a huge win. They they beat Clemson in their finale in the week before they had drilled. Who did they beat uh, at home the week before? I'll, I'll find it. They they beat a team. Was it LSU? They no, it wasn't LSU. Ah, it was. But anyway, they're, they're yeah. proje- I'll get that. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports projects that it'll be Illinois and South Carolina in the ReliaQuest Bowl. I would like to play South Carolina as well. They they beat Clemson this past weekend, yeah. um, and they beat Tennessee. Well, Tennessee, they yeah, beat Tennessee. Tennessee they beat Tennessee. Own, yeah, they beat Tennessee field, at yeah. home um, the week before, and they they they've done a great job. Um, What's the quarterback that transferred? Hendon Hooker. No, no. Oh, South from there. Carolina. Uh, Transfer. Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler has has the, he he's done a very good job. They're sitting at eight and four right now, third in the SEC East. I would really. Like it, like I said, I would want Illinois to play a team from the SEC. This would be a great matchup for us because this team is 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 probably on the rise. They've they've played mm-hmm. some very good games, uh, won some really big games. They lost to Mizzou. They lost to Florida. Um, two teams that you probably don't think that they should have lost to, but they are they are a very good team and trending in the right direction. As 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 is Illinois. So those two teams sitting at eight and four playing each other in a bowl game. I think would be a very good matchup. And Jerry Palm has Mizzou and Memphis in the Birmingham Bowl, and I would think Mizzou would say, can you give us somebody else because we play Memphis in St. Louis at the Dome <laughs> next year. Yeah. We don't need Memphis in a bowl right now. We've essentially got them in a bowl next next September. So, so uh, that would be my guess. So if, you, if, you're a, sorry, if you're a Mizzou fan, you would think KU would be the best matchup for fans, for, you know, People yeah. to sh- come out and, and show support. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's even close. Yeah, it's it's number one with a bullet. I obviously can't, especially when you in you factor in the fact that the, the basketball rivalry is finally getting restarted. Just a few weeks. What would be a few weeks before that game? Don't huh. don't don't. I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I swear, I just, scary. You gotta don't use do that. It. I know. Don't, don't use do. that word, word so loosely. Stop it. You <laughs> it's not a rivalry. <laughs> it's Ku and Mizzou. Just leave it at that. For it to be a we, rivalry, we, both teams have to win, right? called the week leading up to Michigan-Illinois football a rivalry game. I didn't. You. I did not. I didn't. It was not a, that is not a rivalry. We don't win enough. Bill Self doesn't want to play Mizzou. 
Mizzou wants to play Bill Self, exactly. Bill Self doesn't want to play Mizzou. I just want you to use your words so properly, Rock. Right? The rivalry is a is a tough word for that for that matchup, sir. So Mizzou's reigniting the rivalry against Kansas basketball a few weeks before, <laughs> and so that's a perfect synergy. And then, obviously, if you can't get that one, I think it's clear, like Kerry's saying, get a little extra early, kicking the uh, you know kicking the pants in the in the Mizzou Illinois football uh, series. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm not going to call rivalry because Mizzou just I mean, dominates that we thing. We got whooped. Well, and everybody's <laughs> leaving Chicago to go to Nashville anyway, so there you go. why not just have the, the Illinois people go to Nashville for a football Yeah, there you game. go. So, so, I mean, but yeah, it's Kansas It's Kansas with a bullet. I mean, come on. That's, yeah, it is. That's, yep. that's, that's everything. If you, especially this generation of Mizzou fans, guys who are you know in their early 30s who are my age, we came up, we literally, right when we were, you know, early teenagers is when it was the Mizzou KU game for number one overall. You know, the clot of dirt and, you know, the, um, what's his name's helmet? I'm blanking on the quarterback. Todd, from Todd Reesing. Todd, did you say Todd Reesing? Todd Reesing. Todd, Todd. Uh, Todd Reesing. Just, that's, that sticks in your brain. So, yeah, that, that'd be huge. Kansas started off the season on fire. Yeah. And they won five in a row um, and then ended up six and Lost six. Lost their they, quarterback. They, yeah. They, they, they were, they were rolling. And so, for them to even be in this game, I'm sure that's that's probably a little bit frustrating for them. But I think that would be a very good matchup for uh, for Mizzou, just based on the I won't say the word that Rock said, just mm-hmm. the the series of KU and Mizzou and their their longstanding battles that they had <laughs> against one another. And one week from today, <laughs> we'll be we'll know who the the bowl opponents are, and hopefully we'll have Coach Strinkwitz and Coach Bielma on next Monday. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero for take it or leave it on one hundred one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocky, Randy Carricker, and CD. We have a chance to have all four, well, four of the Power Five conferences represented in the college football playoff. Georgia from the SEC, Michigan from the Big Ten, TCU from the Big 12, USC from the Pac-12. Take it or leave it, one of those teams loses their conference championship game to allow either Ohio State or Alabama into the Final Four. Oh, and by the way, I think if Georgia loses, they're still in. Yeah, Georgia's still in if they lose. They, but they won't lose. <laughs> uh, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it. I, I think they all win. I think they all win. I, I, I'll leave that. I don't think, I don't think that there is a, um, an opportunity for for any of the teams to get in. And and the way that those four teams are playing, they they probably deserve it. Yeah, so, I would right. think so. Um, so take. There, there, Matt Rule is hired or being hired by the Nebraska mm-hmm. Cornhuskers after being fired earlier this year um, from from the Carolina Panthers. Take it or leave it. We have a problem with with recycling coaches. I'm going to take it, but not in that particular okay. instance. Okay, because. Nick Saban was very successful at the college level. I knew that was going to come out. But Nick Saban won a national championship prior to going to Miami. 
Matt Rule did not. But he did turn around two programs and got uh, them to places where they hadn't been before. Uh, Temple and Baylor. I mean, Baylor, they were essentially dead. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I, I don't think it's going to go well for him, even at Nebraska. I just, I just, I don't think Nebraska's a great job anymore. I don't think so either. But uh, to to the broader question, yes, we do have a problem with recycling coaches. Get some fresh blood in there. Yeah, get some guys that haven't had opportunities to be head coaches an opportunity to become a head coach. Right. Not not Jeff Saturday, <laughs> but other guys. <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you're saying. All right, your text six five seven eight zero Matthew. What do you got? I thought this one was kind of funny. Uh, take it or leave it. I, last night, I won my fantasy matchup because Hurts got negative rushing yards on a QB kneel. Take it or leave it. The NFL should be, should change the ruling on that. They don't get negative rushing yards when they get sacked. Leave it. The dude rushed for already had 150 yards and threw for another 150 mm-hmm. yards. You did not deserve to win that week of fantasy football if that Herculean performance from your quarterback still puts you back enough to win. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it a little bit because you shouldn't have needed it at that point. I will leave it as well, and here's why. Because a an intelligent quarterback knows. Ben used to do this all the time on, on kneel downs. He would tell the line, go forward just a little bit. So he wouldn't come backwards and take a knee. He would take uh-huh. a knee right at the line of scrimmage to make sure that our rushing yards were not impacted oh, by smart. that negative one, two yards, uh, doing it two or three times to end the game. So I'll leave it for that purpose. You have to be a more intelligent, more aware quarterback of your surroundings and know to have your line just inch up just a little bit so you don't take a step back and take a knee. I was 100% fine with Jalen Hurts' performance last night, by the way. Yeah, I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my CDs, TDs, finally getting oh, a yeah. win in the, in, the, in the one-on-one fantasy league. Yep. BK, I mean, Alex, BKOs is his name. If, if I can play Alex Ferrario every week, I'd be 10-0. You know, Think about just how kind of a man Alex Ferrario is to just say, you know what, I'm going to face Kerry Davis twice this year. He's going to win three total games. I'm going to gift him two of those three wins. We thank you, Alex. We love you here. We do. An awesome gentleman. What a kind guy. I'm definitely not going to make fun of him (laughs) the entire week for that at all. Take it or leave it. South Carolina messed up the whole college football playoff. I'm going to leave it. Now, did they have an effect because of the Clemson loss? Yes. But I don't get the impression that Clemson was overly greatly respected by that committee either. No, I don't think so either. They, they've they been kind of lingering around, you know, in hopes that maybe they figure some things out. But it never – they haven't looked a, a, as good as, as we've expected Clemson teams – as Clemson mm-hmm. teams have looked in the past. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave it. They, they didn't mess it up because I think those four teams that are going to be in are, are solidified in their spots. And I don't, and, and as you said, I don't think that there's a chance for anyone else to to get into that top four. And TCU is they're an undefeated conference champion, so I think they have to be in. But I look at the other teams. Could I imagine Clemson beating Georgia? No. Could I imagine Clemson beating Michigan? No. Could I imagine Clemson beating USC right now? No, I can't. So if I were putting together this group, I would, even if Clemson had won against South Carolina, I still wouldn't have them in my top five. Yeah. Or top four. Even if Clemson had, you even if, okay, if yeah, Clemson okay, would have okay, won okay. this weekend, Sorry, they, to, they wouldn't keep be in my final four. Take it or leave it. The Kansas City Chiefs should look into trading for Aaron Donald. The combination of Donald, Jones, and Nick Bolton in the middle of the defense would be amazing, and the draft picks would help the Rams rebuild. Leave it. 
They can't afford Aaron Donald they, under their cap. Uh, they they they're paying Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars. Yeah. Where are they going to get some money? Where are they going to create this money from? I mean, it uh, sounds great in theory. I, if they could, if they could trade away some some things and and get some. Get an Aaron Donald. Well, we're going to talk about this coming up, but they're smarter than giving up a bunch of draft picks for 30-year-old, 32-year-old defensive players. Yeah. They're smarter than that. Yeah. Now, not every team is smarter than that. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The next food draft needs to be for Feb- it needs to be in February for the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll take that. Yeah, just, yeah, we can do the Super, Super Bowl Super Bowl party. Super yeah. Bowl uh, food draft? Yeah. That's a good Super Bowl one. That party, one is that, that one. That you know what? Wide range. Yeah, there are a lot of things in that draft that, that could. Big uh, board. The second biggest food consumption day in America after Thanksgiving is Super Bowl Sunday. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Surprised it beats out Fourth of July that much. Uh, that's got to be number three, right? Uh, I'm not sure if it's that or Christmas. Really? Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Uh, take it or leave it. You're glad NHL.com shows highlights because you gave up on the Blues game when it was 4-1. Four one, four one. <laughs> I'm going to leave it. I did not give up. I stuck you, with it. You you kept watching. Yep. I mean, as, as we should. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are times, if it's if it's third period and they've given up, if it's 4-1, four oh, four, four eh. yeah. it's, it's hard to continue to watch. There's nothing good f- coming out of it, but you had an entire period left. So, and I think I had, what, what I have USC was USC play, USC Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm flip, flipping back between USC Notre Dame and, and the Blues game. Take it or leave it. Cardinals should look into a Chris Sale trade since his value is at its lowest and he's due for a rebound. <sighs> I think I'm going to leave. Leave that. it. Didn't, yeah. he, didn't he get hurt falling out of the shower or yeah. off of a bike or yeah. what? What he, he's been hurt. Yeah. It, over, for for, for well, the last three years, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, basically the last like, four he's, years. He's he's yeah. been just strange injuries and too. making huge money. Yeah, no, leave no, it. I why? So. why yeah. No, leave no. it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, if you mortgage your football future and send to yourself to years of poor football, is it worth it if you win a Super Bowl? That's next on one hundred and one ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Los Angeles Rams were drilled on the road yesterday by the Kansas City Chiefs. They fell to 3-8 and eight on the season. And there was a great piece yesterday morning by Mike Tannier in the New York Times. And I just want to read you this money pair of, uh, of paragraphs from Mike Tannier about the Los Angeles Rams. Quote, The Rams aren't just enduring a Super Bowl hangover. They have woken up next to a total stranger in a Nevada honeymoon suite with an empty wallet and no sign of their car keys. They'll be paying the price for their 2021 binge for years. Banners hang from stadium rafters forever, and a Pyrrhic Super Bowl victory counts just as much as any other kind. The Rams may have no regrets, but their current situation offers a cautionary tale for the copycat franchises tempted to risk their futures on a few splashy trades, spending lavishly on a few stars and tossing first-round picks around like confetti will not guarantee a championship, but it will guarantee an eventual prolonged period of dreary austerity. So the question that I have is, in any sport, is it better 
to have a bad half dozen years on the heels of winning one championship because you gave up those half dozen good years because you gave up draft choices and and salary cap space or is it better to try to build for the long term and have multiple good years without winning a Super Bowl title in that time? I think it's better to build and and put yourself in a position to be good for many years and have multiple opportunities to win championships than it is to basically sell off everything for an opportunity to win it one year. Now, fortunately for them, they were able to get that Super Bowl championship Mm -hmm. last year. But it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad for them in the years to come. We talked about it earlier. This year alone, they're they're sitting at 3-7. and seven. Their quarterback is out. Their starting receiver, who won Offensive Player of the Year, is out. Uh, their their second-string receiver, or their, their number two receiver, who they brought in, who they weren't throwing the ball to anyways, uh, is out with a foot injury for the rest of the year. They essentially have Jalen Ramsey and, and Aaron Donald mm-hmm. on that defense, and they, they there is there is not a lot left offensively for them to do anything. Andrew Whitworth retired at the end of last season. Um, Robert Woods left. He was injured. Odell Beckham uh, Jr. left as well. He was injured, but he left also. He's not there. They are a bad team. They had, and they are lacking so many things offensively. And they are, for a guy in Sean McVay, I'm looking at this picture right now on ESPN, <laughs> and his face says everything you needed to say. Like, I don't know. I don't have an answer because winning that championship was great. But if you go four years of losing like this, it's going to take a toll on your life. And you can't substitute that for these next four or five years. Now, this article mentions that all but $6 million of the Rams 2023 salary cap next year is already budgeted and accounted for. Uh, with $99 million earmarked for Donald Cup, Jalen Ramsey, and Matthew Stafford. And uh, those four count $136 million against the cap in 2024. We basically went through the same thing here, except th- there wasn't the huge buildup to... And by the way, we did have three really... Well, they had, they had really good years. They went to two Super Bowls. So for that comp, would I give up the memory of those Super Bowl seasons and accept a a bad six years like we had. I'm going to say that from 2004, they were 8-8. and 2005, they were bad. 2006, they were 8-8. 2007, 2008, they were really bad. Would I trade the two Super Bowls and the Super Bowl championship so that I could have been better for that stretch? No. I, I I would rather win the Super Bowl and have another Super Bowl that I lost and have a half a dozen bad years during those two Super Bowl uh, run, those eras, those three years. Really, I would say it was what would you say four or five year span? Ninety nine to to yeah, three. They went twelve and four and oh three. You would say that that span was you had an opportunity to make the playoffs and potentially make it to the Super Bowl. And you, you did make the playoffs all except two thousand two. And, and so you you felt like that was a team that could do that, but that that was a team that had. Those guys still in the fold. Once 04, 05, 06, those guys were out of there. That 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 mm-hmm. that, that um that core group was not there anymore. And 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 Kurt and and uh, Marshall and all those guys were not there. With this Rams team, you're looking at a team that those guys are still going to be there. There's just not going to be anything else around right, them. Right. That core group is going to be together 
probably for the next I mean if you count last season and the year before they'll be together for but, five or six seasons and and they will not have the same amount of success that that Rams team did from the 99 well, to 2002 here's, 2003 here's the thing Kerry we wound up taking Alex Barron and Ty Hill and Joe Klopfenstein. We might have not, might as well have not had picks anyway. You know, it, uh, Adam Carricker. I mean, it was just like not having the picks. Just like this team's not going to have the picks, except they they used them on bad players. They that that's a scouting issue. Yeah, that, that's a right. that's an issue of not knowing who to get and and how they'll fit into your system. Um, I, I'm just saying, I think if I were an LA Rams fan, and I'm the furthest thing from that. If I read that article, you know, I'd say I'm good though. You'd be okay. I, I, I've got my championship. Yep, Randy. We are fans that are ra- we're, we're rabid fans. We don't want to. We don't want just one. Especially when you're looking at the great. Some people are saying Aaron Donald could go down as the greatest defensive yes. player to ever play the game. Yeah. You're telling me he's only going to win one championship and have multiple MVP seasons, multiple uh, uh, All Pro seasons, go down as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And you don't want more from his career than that? Sure, you want more. I mean, Packers fans want more from one wow. of the great quarterbacks of all time and Aaron Rodgers, right? It's That's just part of the deal. The, the, the fans of the Saints wanted more from Drew Brees than just one Super Bowl yeah. champion. It's so hard to win a Super Bowl championship. It is. But it, it, it's not hard to be good every year. Like it's not it's it's not as hard it's harder to win a championship than it is to 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 be twelve and five yeah. or, or 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 you know thirteen and and four. This team is going to be bad. They are, and it's going to it's going to affect a lot of people. There's going to be it's not going to be people. People already don't show up as much for Rams right. games where they have opposing teams out out you know more fans at the games than, than the home team does. If you're losing, you're three and seven. You think. People are going to want to show up to see the Rams play football, no matter who they're playing. No, they aren't. But, but I think I'm different. I think you're different. I, 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 those people, LA is basically a bandwagon town. Yes, I was showing up for one in fifteen here. Yeah, I, I, I was. I was still buying tickets because I had hope, and that's what franchises sell is is hope. This ain't gonna be no hope. This is gonna be. Kind of, <laughs> it's gonna be kind of hopeless uh, for a while. Now, Matthew Rocchio is. He's a guy that loves his championships. So, uh, where are you with this? Would you are you willing to mortgage the future for a championship? That's what it comes down to. And by the way, Cardinal fans want to do this too. Baseball Cardinal fans are all about. Uh, yeah, I don't. We not, got not the majority, but the, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would have been thrilled with the idea of trading uh, Jordan Walker for Juan Soto. We it's funny because we actually got a, we got a text uh, into the that says, "Would you rather be the Marlins or the Cardinals?" See, kind of their interpretation of the question. Um, win one every every eight, ten, twelve years. No, I mean, they, they did it a little bit differently than that. I, if you can spread it out a little bit differently from the Marlins, that might make it. Marlins have been to the playoffs three times. Exactly. Right? Yeah. How many championships have they won? They won last, two in, oh, in twenty years. In the last twenty years, they won zero. They won one in ninety seven and 03. Oh, three, oh, sorry. So yeah, so, well, they got one inside of twenty years. My bad. Okay, my but they, the, they finished last pretty much every year. year. Yeah. I, no, I don't I, want to I, be I, that team. No. I want consistent. I want, I, I want the consistent run, especially when you think. Just think about all the playoffs. Think about how the, how they've expanded the baseball playoffs. Think about the natural way that the hockey playoffs have always been, and think about how many times wild card teams, especially since you know two thousand five, mm-hmm. two thousand six, have won the Super Bowl in the first place. Um, 
you just you want a chance every year. That's that's yes. the bottom line. You want a chance every year. Yes. If you get in, things can change, and think, and you can go on a run. It's a joke that they always say, but you know, if you can just get high, you can win this baby. But it's true. And and, and just listen, I love talking about the 1999 St. Louis Rams. There's no doubt about it. I, I enjoy it so much. But as someone who fell in love with football while the Rams decided to stop trying mm-hmm. to build a good football team, there was nothing as depressing as like week four of just, yeah, there goes um, uh, the sliver of hope I had is gone. This team is going to suck this year. There is nothing more depressing as a sports fan than that feeling. I never want to do it again. For me, I, I look at what the Warriors have done in basketball. Mm-hmm. I think that is the, the gold standard for now. Nah, you got to have great play. Right. They, they're, they're paying tons of money and, and you know, luxury tax and all of that. Uh, and, and that's probably not feasible in football, but they are what they do very well is draft and evaluate and and they they teach these young men how to become better basketball players. Wiseman is is still on the fence, but for the most part, they do a very good job of evaluating and and getting the talent in there and, and making sure they play well. Kerry, to me, the gold standards are the franchise that you won a Super Bowl with yep. in Pittsburgh and right here with yes. the Cardinals. It, it, it's, it's where you win championships and you have a chance to win every, every single, single year. year. Yep, that, and, and so. As, as frustrated as Cardinals fans are with the, the Cardinals not winning uh, 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 the World Series every single year, Pittsburgh Steelers fans are as mad are mad as mad as well. They are they are frustrated that the Steelers haven't been to the Super Bowl in twelve years yeah. now, twenty ten. They are frustrated about that because the expectation is you're supposed to win it every single year, and the Steelers have not had a losing season since. Mike Tomlin got there. Mm-hmm. They've always been in contention to to, to, to win the division, right? to, to make the playoffs, yep. and possibly put yourself in a position to go to the playoffs and, and, and win a Super Bowl. Same thing for St. Louis Cardinals. I would rather be that franchise than the one franchise that wins one year and it's going to be terrible right. for the next And the genesis of this is that it was all or nothing, right? And that's what the Rams are going to wind up being. It was all last year, and then it's going to wind up being nothing. It's nice to have all and then have a chance to have something, too. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That is today's Fresh Take. Coming up, we're going to talk to the Voice of Blues, Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Curbside. He shoots, they score! With the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. They score! Bring out the Zamboni! Refreshed by Randall's, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues in action tonight. 6 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale. And then Joe will join Chris Kerber for the call at 7 o'clock. Kerbs is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. We wanted to know if you checked out. Oh, Chris Kerber is not with us yet. He dropped, so we'll we'll get to Kerbs. I just want to know if, if, if he had given up on Saturday night when they were down 4-1. <laughs> he was at work. I don't, think, I, don't think that, I don't think that works for him. I don't think he could just say, eh, you know what, I'm out of here. I don't, I don't want to. TV. Yeah, I, watch you else. Else. I did hear, so he's, Kerbs is hilarious. He is absolutely, he is the best. So I do want to ask him. So he had a, uh, he had a story, I, he had a story a couple of weeks ago where he had a bathroom break um, during the middle of the show. So Kerbs, I, I, can you hear us now? 
<laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so Randy was Randy was asking if you if you turned it off during the, the middle of the game. I said, Randy, he was at work. I said, but you know, Curbs did have a bathroom break during work one time. So maybe maybe he just left, and I don't know. So so can you tell us a little bit about that story, uh, Curbs? I, well, okay, first off, no, somehow we just simply got disconnected here. Uh, so that one is not, no, well, hey, listen, I mean, there's just some times that when you got to go, you got to go. And uh, uh, I've, I've, I've had it happen twice during a hockey game, once when I was in the minors, once in, uh, I was doing, we're doing a game at Joe Lewis Arena, and it's about, I don't know, I forget how much time's left in the second period, 11 minutes. And I go, Blues, go to the power play. And Kelly Chase is going to tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) How far away was the bathroom from the booth? Well, it's just kind of the back of that old beat-up press box that they had there. But uh, actually, you know what? Take that back. It happened a third time, too, not that long ago in Anaheim with – Chase are the same thing, and uh, Patrick Berglund <laughs> scored a goofy goal during that one. Um, but you could hear the goal get scored, and you knew we scored, so you're kind of excited because all the sound was booze through the bathroom door. <laughs> That's beautiful. Hey, Curbs, what were you thinking? I, I got to tell you, I was thinking that uh, things were kind of spiraling on Saturday night after the losses to Buffalo and to Tampa, and then you're down 4-1 in the third period, and I know a lot of people checked out. I guess that's a, a big-time win for the Blues in in Florida. Well, you hope it is. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't going well. The start of the, the two games in Florida were really weird. And, you know, uh, part of it is, is mental. There's mindset. You know, I talked to a couple of veteran guys, not on the team, actually, a couple of guys that used to play the game that were there scouting and and they started talking about you, like the team just looks tired. And then you realize, oh, they just they, they just played their seventh game in 11 days, right? And you're like, yeah, but, you know, the other teams are playing hard too. It just spiraled away. And then, then they started battling back. But that game also, I know it may sound weird, that game just also had that feel of, of God, they're not out of this thing yet. I mean, you looked at the Florida Panthers, they'd given up a lot of goals. Uh, it, it, you, you get a big save that you need, and, and they did get a couple of them afterward, giving up the three. Like there was just a chance to come back, and we literally we said it on the air with ten minutes to go. Like, man, this team's got the ability to score three goals in eight minutes, just like Florida did. I mean, at some point it's going to happen, and then you know, fortunately for them, it did. Hey, Curbs, is this going to be kind of a roller coaster season where period to period you you you're not sure which Blues team is going to show up? Uh, yeah, well, for the season, I don't know, but for the first 21 games, it sure has appeared appear that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've had some coaches tell me over the years that by the time you get to 20 to 25 games is when you really know the personality of your team. And, I mean, maybe we maybe we are just a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, look, the, the we talk to the coaches almost every single day, nearly before every single game and kind of get a good idea what the game plan is. And you're sitting going, well, that game plan will work. And then it just doesn't get executed. You know, you go to that the power play goal that the Blues gave up in Tampa. You know, they drew that. They watched video of that specific play. They said, here's what we have to guard against. And, and you know, they, they still let it happen. So at some point, here's what I really believe needs to happen here. You've got a veteran enough group. This is not a young hockey team. Yeah, you've got some younger players that are getting key ice time. But 
I, I think at this at some point in time, the veterans on this hockey team are going to have to take grab a hold of the team. Uh, no, that's not saying there's a problem with leadership or anything like that. But it's going to have to become, a, in my opinion, a little more hierarchical, for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, I, I believe Braden Shen had some conversations with Jordan Cairo. And I think Jordan Cairo since then has responded really well. I think he's he's had a good offensive game, but he's also played well on the other end of the ice. So, you know, to me, this has got to be one where the coaching staff isn't going in the room saying something. Uh, it's it's basically the, the the veterans, whether it be Pareko, Shen, O'Reilly, you know, Letty, Falk, all these other guys looking at the coach saying we got it, and then they start getting on each other to start getting everything right, and that to me is where the the real consistency will start to come in for this group. Hey, uh, we were listening to Baruby earlier, and he said that effort uh, in that first and second period, it changed in the third period. H- how do you get guys to just show more effort? Effort is not a talent thing. It's just guys wanting to do the right thing. How do they get guys to show effort all three periods if they're not doing so? Gary, I have no idea. <laughs> like, like, you know, honestly, like I, I got to defer to you or, or other guys that have been pro athletes that because, I mean, I, I don't know. It, but, well, I mean, all of them, there's just the human side of it here. I mean, it, uh, there's some days where, you know, you, I mean, you know when we're on the air, you guys are on the air, maybe you're not as good as you could have been before. I mean, you, you've been in the trenches and you're going, okay, we're trying, but it just doesn't look like it's there. And, I mean, I, honestly, I might be able to, and I'd have to think, but I, I might be able to name one or two athletes that I'm telling you that I could say on a regular basis I didn't think really tried. Mm-hmm. But even then, even then, those guys are good enough to become National Hockey League players. So that, man, I have, I've never really known how to answer that question because just there are just some times where it just doesn't go well for you down on the ice, and, and it looks like the effort's not there. But I, I just have a hard time buying that one, if that makes sense. Curbs, one guy who we never question the effort of is Ryan O'Reilly, but no, no pressure on number 90, but it seems as if when he's going, the team is going. Randy, I almost wonder if, uh, and I know Robert Thomas is getting the majority of the faceoffs and all that. I actually, I really almost wonder if they need to get back and just getting Ryan O'Reilly 20, 21 minutes a game. I mean, it, it, he he led this team into the battle again on uh, in Florida, and mm-hmm. yep, that goal got things going, and uh, they they decided a couple games with Tarasenko back, you know, to sit Josh Levo. Well, I think it's pretty clear for the time being that Josh Levo needs to be on that line with Ryan O'Reilly. And, uh, you know, and, and if, if that means Vladimir Tarasenko's on your third line, okay. You know, but then they, you know, then they put the Russians back together. So I think the same thing. I, I don't know really this season who's your number one, number two, and number three line, just like the last couple, it's whoever's going. But, yeah, Ryan, this team still goes the way Ryan O'Reilly goes, and that's why he's such an important factor for this hockey team because, especially come playoff time, I still believe that that guy is going to be the most clutch player you have. Hey, Curves, to answer your question, I think effort and energy comes when guys truly are, are care about each other or, or, or love each other. They are making sure that they don't want to let that guy down next to them. Um, and, and that when you have a lead, when you have leadership, our team, you know, most people would think that James Harrison was the leader of our team, but it was actually James Ferrier. If James Ferrier talked, 
everyone in the room listened. He was the starting linebacker. He played 16 years at middle linebacker in the NFL. And when James, went, we called him Potsy, when Pot Dog talked, <laughs> everybody in the room listened. And you did not want to disappoint Potsy because he was going to give you everything he had, every single play. And I think that that's when you have a great team, it's more about your teammates as opposed to the coaches. We love our coaches, but we don't really care what they say. We care more about what our teammates say. And if our guys are, are all on the same page, that's when you see teams giving great effort and working their butts off for one another. Well, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at there. That, that's where, uh, that's where the, I think it's the players that really take over. You know, it, there's just nothing that a, a coach puts you in a good spot, and this coaching staff does that. So it's just a matter of, the execution part, and you're right, looking over at each other, sitting next to you, and, and saying everybody's got to do their job tonight and, and, and get it done. And, and look, we've seen that that's, that's the Jekyll and Hyde of this team. We've seen how good they can look when they do it, and we've seen how bad they can look when they don't. But I'll tell you this, they're about to begin a stretch of hockey where you've got, you've got Dallas tonight you, with the league-leading scorer and Robertson coming in. And, and Jamie Benn will be an antagonist that the Blues really haven't had an answer for, you know, in years. Then you've got Carolina coming in. Then you're going to Pittsburgh and New York and the Islanders, and you're coming home, and it's Colorado, Winnipeg, and Nashville. This is a nasty stretch of games with tough opponents that can embarrass you every single night that if you don't have exactly what you were talking about and that accountability to each other, Kerry, it could be another long tailspin for this hockey team. We just have to wait and see which group is the one that takes the ice. Curbs, always great to have you with us. We'll be tuned in tonight for the Blues and the Stars pregame at 6. And thank you very much for joining us. Fellas, have an awesome week. Thank you. You too. See you later. That's the Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. The one, the only Chris Kerber. Coming up next, we've got the fight here on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio. And, Rock, we have a fight on our hands, don't we? We have quite the fight on our hands today, Randy. I mean, Randy, I tell you, Kerry. You got Randy on the brain. Yeah, because, Randy on the brain, because, yes, I do. Because our contestant, Greg, is going for his Hall of Fame opportunity, trying to get three in a row. Greg, how are you doing this morning? Uh, just as nervous as ever. Oh, well, how was your weekend? I mean, how was your, your Thanksgiving, your weekend? You, you, were, you, were you peacocking around a little yeah, bit? Yeah, were you, were you excited about what, what took place the last couple of days? Listen, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I get knocked down uh, real quick around here, so uh, it, it better, better to not talk about it. How was your guys' uh, holiday? Lots of mac and cheese and stuffing? Yes, there was. Yeah. Lots of mac and cheese. Lots of mac and cheese. And yes, we I used we the had fork, a, though. Good job. I know, it's Adulting. Yeah, I know. We're coming around, I right? talk about it. <laughs> all right, Greg, you ready to roll? Let's do it. All right, and everyone knows. This, this is Greg's shot, of course, at the Hall of Fame. We have not put in a Hall of Famer since the second week of January in 2022. So no pressure there, Greg. And don't worry, me and oh, Carrie boy. are just as nervous as you are. <laughs> oh, yes, we are. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, here we go. 
On, on top of the all-time Thanksgiving Day records, a lion and cowboy are tied at number one with touchdown with 18 touchdown passes each. Stafford is obviously the lion, but which cowboy is is tied atop that list? Is it Danny White, Troy Aikman, or Tony Romo? Tony Romo. Only one school in college football has more than four wins as an unranked team against ranked opponents over the past three seasons. Which SEC school sits atop that list with seven? Is that Kentucky, Mississippi State, or South Carolina? South Carolina got two already. Uh, Oh. South Carolina, I guess. Happy birthday to Sixto Lescano. Lescano was a part of two Hallmark Cardinals trades within 360 day, 363 days of each other. The second of the two involved Ozzie Smith. The first involved two other Hall of Famers, Ted Simmons and which pitcher? Raleigh Fingers, Bruce Suter, or Jim Cott? Bruce Suter. And last night, the Eagles put on one of the most impressive rushing performances since 2000, but still came up short of the greatest team rushing game since the merger, which was set back in 2000 by the Cincinnati Bengals. Which Bengal led the team in rushing that day with 278 yards on just 22 carries? Was that Peter Warwick, Rudy Johnson, or Corey Dillon? Corey Dillon. All right, we're double-checking the score, and we're going to call in Mr. Randy Carricker. How you feeling, Greg? Awful. Awful? You guys know, you guys know the drill. <laughs> you felt awful every single time, and you, you've won. So I, I think you are you may be on path to, to doing some great things the, today. The, the, the reverse jinx. That's what it is. Greg, I think it's being played by Greg. It's a good move, I think. Randy, say hello to Greg again. Greg, good morning. How you doing? Randy, how was your holiday? It was terrific. Thank you. Thanks for asking. How was yours? Uh, more sides than turkey, but uh, that's how it goes, right? Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. On the all-time Thanksgiving Day records, a lion and a cowboy are tied atop number one with 18 touchdowns each. 18 touch, eighteen t- passing touchdowns each. Okay. Stafford is obviously the lion, but which mm-hmm. cowboy is tied atop that list? Um... I think just in, because of volume, I think I'll go with Romo. Uh, Aikman obviously was relying on Emmett. Uh, Staubach was relying on Tony Dorsett. So uh, a- Tony really didn't ever run. I'll go with Tony Romo. Randy, over the last three seasons, only one school in college football has more than four wins as an unranked team over a ranked opponent. Which SEC school sits atop the list with seven in the last three years? Seven unranked wins against ranked opponents? Yes, sir. Ranked w- in the last three seasons. Three seasons. Which SEC team? This is detailed. Um, I'll do the lifeline. Is it Kentucky, Mississippi State, or South Carolina? I think I'll go with Kentucky. All right, Randy, happy birthday to Sixto Lescano. Lescano was a part of two Hallmark Cardinal trades within 363 days of each other. The second of the two involved Ozzie Smith. The first involved two other Hall of Famers, Ted Simmons and which pitcher? Well, 
Okay, two Hall of Famers. So it, what, what it was was it was Ted Simmons and Raleigh Fingers and Pete Vukovic for Sixto Lescano, David Green, Larry Sorensen, and uh, who was the other pitcher in that trade? Green, Sorensen, Lescano. Uh, we got another pitcher. It was like a four for three. So anyway, I'll say it was a Raleigh Fingers, right? That was that was the other Hall of Famer. Simmons, Fingers were in that deal. And they're both Hall of Famers. All right. And last night, the Eagles put on one of the most impressive rushing performances since 2000, but still came up short of the greatest team rushing game since the merger, which is set back in 2000 by the Cincinnati Bengals. Who led that Bengals team in rushing that game with 278 yards on 22 carries? Almost had to be Corey Dillon. I'll go with uh, Corey Dillon. Washington product. Played for the Patriots, too. I'll go with Corey Dillon. Oh, did he play for the Patriots? I didn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. On a Hall of Fame Monday, Greg got to walk into Thanksgiving, but he didn't do any peacocking around because, well, birds don't do too well on Thanksgiving. Oh. But he came in here on Monday, and he was ready for the fight, but he wouldn't feel that great. But then again, he didn't feel that great throughout all the other fights. So... Did it continue with the reverse jinx, or did Randy survive another Hall of Famer here in the year of 2022? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. I hit that accidentally, but it is it did fit well, didn't it? Just win, David. It really did. Thought <laughs> you did that on purpose. No, I didn't. Oh, that was fantastic. I am sorry, Greg. Randy beat you on this one three to two. It was so close. It came down to the last question. Unfortunately, Randy did again beat you three to two. Thank you so much. This was an incredible performance by you forcing us through the holiday to really think of these four trivia questions. Great performance there, Greg. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. And don't go anywhere before we go. We're going to give you all these answers. It was, in fact, Tony Romo who sits atop atop the Thanksgiving Day records with 18 touchdown passes. Of course, Matthew Stafford is 18. Number two on the list of touchdown passes by uh, Cowboys quarterbacks, Danny White on Thanksgiving with 14. Above Above Troy Aikman. Only one school in college football has more than four wins as an unranked team against ranked opponents over the past three seasons. It's an SEC school. They have seven, and it's Mike Leach's Mississippi State. Wow. Who just keep getting ranked because they get big wins and then lose and then get big wins again. And it's happy birthday to Sixto Lascano. He was part of two Hallmark trades within 363 days. It was December te- December 12th of 1980 and then December 10th of 1981 in these two trades. The second one involved Ozzie Smith. The first one involved three players, two of them Hall of Famers, two of them pitchers. It was, in fact, Pete Vukovic, Raleigh Fingers, and Ted Simmons that they traded for Sixto, or, or, yes, for Sixto Lascano. So Raleigh Fingers was the answer in that one. And last night, the Eagles put up a very impressive performance, but it came up short of the over 430 yards rushed by the Cincinnati Bengals in that game in 2000. The leader of that day was, of course, Corey Dillon, 278 yards on 22 carries. The Denver Broncos post-Super Bowl were not really interested, or just two years removed from the Super Bowl, (laughs) were not really interested in playing much defense. So Randy Carricker wins that one 3-2 again. Thank you so much for participating, Greg, over these last three fights. You did great. Appreciate it, guys. Listening every day. Appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, Greg. And by the way, the fourth player that the Cardinals got from Milwaukee was Dave LaPointe, left-hander, who is still a big part of the Cardinal organization. Is there 
a, a, a more just surprising player to be involved in a trade with three Hall of Famers, two Cy Young awards, like twenty Gold Gloves, than Sixto Lascano in, in the same in, in really just a, a calendar year. They thought he was going to be a stud. They if you must have. Yeah, when he uh, let's see when they got him, they got him before the eighty one season. He had um, the two years before in nineteen seventy nine. Hit 321 with a 987 OPS, 28 homers and 101 RBIs for Milwaukee. Then he fell off, and the Cardinals thought he would rebound, and he didn't have a great year for them in 81, and obviously they moved on from him in 82. But they thought he was going to be a stud, and they thought David Green was going to be transcendent. He was the key to the trade. Cardinals wouldn't have made the trade if David Green wasn't coming their way. You trade a lot of Hall of Famers for one guy. That says a lot about you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you must well, be a the really... The fact that Fingers, Vukovic, <laughs> and Ted Simmons are in a trade together, and then you look across, and it's those names now, it, with the with you know, with you know retrospect, you're like, how in God's name did two Cy Youngs and two Hall of Famers ever get traded for that yeah. that group? Maybe it says more about Bruce Suter than anybody else, how, what Whitey thought about Bruce Suter. Amen. Next up here on 101 ESPN, our friend Benjamin Hockman at STL Today writes that the Cardinals should try to be like the Astros and try to get position players. But is that how you get to be like the Astros? You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. the opening drive on 101 ESPN and our friend Benjamin Hockman had a piece yesterday at stltoday.com headlined Cardinals should sign Trey Turner trade for Sean Murphy win ball games Kerry I agree with that 100% you and I are both on board with Trey Turner and Sean Murphy right sounds simple to me one of the things that Benjamin puts into the piece, though, is so how did the Cardinals become a team that contends for the pennant, such as the Dodgers, three World Series appearances in the past six years, or the Astros, four World Series appearances in the past six years? Okay, you don't have the money to be the Dodgers, fine, but why not become the Astros? Then he goes on to write the rest of the column and never mentions pitching. And I think the key for the Astros as to why they've been to the World Series four times in the last six years, why they are the current World Series champions, is because of their pitching. Now, they've done a great job of developing. I didn't think Kyle Tucker was going to wind up being what he has become. Chaz McCormick had some really nice moments. The trade for Jordan Alvarez was brilliant, who they stole from the Dodgers. But the thing with the Houston Astros was they played the ALDS against Seattle, three games, had a 2.25 ERA. They played the ALCS, four games against the Yankees, had a 1.50 ERA. And they played the World Series against Philadelphia. In six games, they had a 2.83 ERA. If the Cardinals want to be like the Astros or like the Dodgers, what they need to do is find a value in young pitching and get it to the majors like Houston has done in, at an incredible rate or go find broken down guys and rehab them and get them back to what they used to be that's what the Dodgers have done but as far as I'm concerned if the Cardinals really want to be great in October the first thing they need to do is make sure that they have enough pitchers to get through not only the six months of the regular season, but the postseason also. Well, I think they got to stay healthy. I think Jack Flaherty being healthy is going to definitely um, assist in, in being a good good starting rotation. Mm-hmm. I think if Jordan Montgomery is is what he showed us when he first got traded from, from New York, I think that's another good starting pitcher. We know what Miles Michaelis and Wayne Wright are going to give us. 
Are they going to be uh, Valdez, Framber Valdez, or, or Christian Javier from, from the Houston Astros? Not at this stage of their career because those guys are, are pretty electric pitchers. But what you have here will allow you to go out and get those bats that you need, those guys that you say can, can push runs across the plate. I think they have what they need in-house. And I don't know that they need necessarily need to go get uh, another pitcher, a, number, a name pitcher, an ace, so to speak. I think what they have, I think Jack Flaherty is your ace if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. We, but we've always talked about the ifs, ifs, ifs is a dangerous word in sport, uh, in sports. But I think what they have right now can be that the hitting, the, the the lineup needs to get better, needs to get younger, needs to have some some guys that you know are are all star caliber players that can that you can match up with with Arenado and Goldie at the corner infield spots and and if you do that you have a very good team. And what the Dodgers have done, what the Astros have done, is they have developed players. Now, if the Cardinals want to be microwave, and we, I'm on board with signing Trey Turner. I I, I think that's a guy that the Cardinals could not overpay for, but if you're going to win World Series, if you're going to win in October, the the key is to have the depth. And one of the things that Houston did is they're able to put really good starting pitchers into the bullpen for the postseason. Valdez and Verlander were the only guys who regularly started for the the Astros in the postseason. But you put a guy like Javier in the bullpen. You put a guy like uh, Luis Garcia down in the bullpen, who was a really good starter during the course of the year. Urquidy was another guy, and Urquidy only pitched in one game in the postseason for them, but he was one of their key starters. He was one of the best pitchers in the American League. And when you can afford to do that, when you can afford to put a good starter in the bullpen come postseason time, this is another reason why the Cardinals should pursue Jose Quintana. When you can afford to put a guy like that down in the pen, in the postseason, that gives you a much better chance to win. If you do trade for Sean Murphy, you're you're giving something up, mm-hmm. and so you talk about depth. What are you giving up? What are you willing to give up? Because I, I'm I'm assuming it's going to be one of those infielders. If if if, if you get Trey Turner, you sign Trey Turner to a contract um, as a free agent, yeah. and now you have your shortstop position solidified, and you want to go out and get a Sean Murphy, where you're looking at getting rid of. Either a Tyler O'Neill or a a Tommy Edmond or or you're getting rid of Brendan Donovan. What, something I, you think? Do you think that 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 uh, Oakland is going to take Gorman for Sean Murphy? I, I think because Go- I think they want a, more a, a Gorman Libertor. They they'll, okay. they'll want a starting pitcher back too. And Matthew Libertor is still a one hundred top one hundred prospect. Uh, Nolan Gorman was a top one hundred prospect. They need a third baseman uh, after trading Matt. Chapman last year. Uh, they, they don't have one of their top prospects being a third baseman. They don't need a catcher because they got a catcher in the Matt Olson deal. So they, they've got their number one catcher that played in September for them. So they are planning on trading Murphy. I, I would think a guy that everybody in baseball plans on being a 30 home run hitter on a regular basis, I, I would think that would be really attractive for him. Okay. I, because if I'm looking at it as, as far as trading my starting catcher for something in return, I would want a, a guy that I think can start right now. And and if Gorman is your guy, you're going to play him at third base and, and you believe he can hit 25, 30 home runs, mm-hmm. then that may be solidified in their mind. But I, I Tommy Edmond, not not Brendan Donovan more so than Edmond would yep. be a guy that I think most teams would want in return for something like a Sean Murphy. I would think that that would be 
Well, I don't know, because Donovan doesn't have the kind of power. This is such a power game, and they're such an analytically driven yeah. team with Billy Bean at the top. They're still a three-true-outcomes type of team, and Gorman is more of a three-true-outcomes yeah. type of guy than Brendan Donovan is. And I would think the Cardinals, because of Donovan's versatility, would be more reluctant to move him in a trade, too. But if you're getting something back that you need more in in the catcher position— you, you would have to look at it and say that yeah. that may be a person that we would want to move or need to move Thing in is, order to get a catcher. If you get Trey Turner, the only spot you have for Gorman is DH. Yeah. Because Edmund's going to be playing second, Turner's going to be playing short. You know the corner guys are going to be there. Maybe you try to move him into left field, but they're going to still have Tyler O'Neill yeah. in left field. And by the way, O'Neill's only two years away from free agency. I don't think the athletics are interested in that guy. Right. Uh, and obviously Gorman, at some point you got to plug Walker in there. If you have Donovan, you want to give him an opportunity. So I, I would think the odd man out for the Cardinals right now, if they were going to make a move like that, would be a guy like Nolan Gorman. Okay. I, I just feel like I, 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 I don't disagree, but I think if I'm – and you're basing it off of the analytics. I'm basing it off of what I think – Brendan Donovan is or what he what he has shown thus far in his career being able to to <laughs> you can put him in the middle infield and know that you're going to be you're going to feel safe and secure up the yeah, middle right. and, and not have balls just going you know bouncing CNI singles bouncing through you you feel like you got a guy that can make those plays and get get those guys out yeah I, and by the way Gorman 721 OPS and he'll get better we tend to forget that he hit 14 homers in 283 at bats he was so you double that mm-hmm. because 283 you get to what's 2865 so he plays a full season, you're looking at a 28-home run guy. In a hard place to right. hit ball, the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, I, 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 I'm interested to see if they do decide to go after Trey Turner and if they do decide to, to trade for, for a Sean Murphy or another catcher. I, I, I've been saying it all along. I think Wilson Contreras is a guy that if you were able to get both of those guys with the, the, the money, mm-hmm. I don't know what the numbers are going to be for, for those two guys in, in Trey Turner and, and, Wilson, and Wilson Contreras. If you can only get one, I think it would be Wilson because you yep. feel better about your middle infield right now than you do about your catcher position. Right. But they still need more arms. They're, they're, oh, at the end of the day, they got to go out and sign a couple of relievers, too. They need to get more are you, are you, experience in the bullpen and some different kind of guys. So, so seven, eight, nine, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not concerned with seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Hicks, um, um, who who was con, uh, Cabrera, Genesis, Cabrera, Cabrera he'll be back, and then Gallegos. and then Helsley. Yeah. So seven, eight, so. nine. You're you're. I I'm confident in in that seven, eight, nine, ninth inning. Yeah. If that's I the just, route you I just want depth there. Okay. Because I'm not confident that all of those guys are going to be there every day. So Quintana, you would move to the bullpen. You would, would feel, you would feel comfortable him not I, being a starting pitcher I, and moving to the bullpen at the beginning. Uh, I'm convinced that somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> Because if I, if I'm Jose Quintana and I'm not a starting pitcher, I don't think I come back to St. Louis. Depends on what the market is, yeah. but I think the Cardinals should pursue him or just a, a sixth starter. I'm not really confident in everybody, and maybe Dakota Hudson could be a sixth starter for them. I'm just not totally confident in him. I'd like to have somebody who gives me a little bit more cachet. Who who are your who are your five starters? If if today if the season started right now, it's Wainwright, Flaherty, and the three M's: Michaelis, Montgomery, Matz. Okay. So that 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 would be no spot for Dakota Hudson or Libertor. or Jose Quintana or or Libertor. Right. So you're you're looking at those three guys being bullpen arms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can do it. And 
I've I've gone as far down the road with Matthew Libertor as I'm going to go. Okay. If he still has value for me, I want to use that value right now. Do you need a Jose Quintana if you have Mets in the bullpen? I that would intrigue me. Now Mets has a contract already. I would start Jose Quintana over Stephen Matz. Okay. How about you? I I, I think I would as well. But I, I mean, think, Matz has electric bullpen yes, stuff too. Yes, I, I think I would as well. But I, I that's what I'm saying. I don't know that Quintana. Well. Feels comfortable. I, I don't know this personally, but I, I think if you're a starting pitcher and someone is offering you a contract to not be a starting pitcher, I don't know. I know. I know how people that start feel yeah. when they are when they're told to come off of the bench. Well, and the reality of this situation is the Cardinals aren't paying eleven million dollars for a relief pitcher, right? Especially a guy that's not a closer, right? So. If they sign somebody, it's got to be for a reasonable bargain contract. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, Mike Sando has taken a look at his quarterback tiers, and they're not all what I would think they would be. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Kerry break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. Time for today's big thing. Nine oh nine. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and Mike Sando has a piece up at the Athletic. He's great about quarterbacks, and he has a piece entitled "Quarterback Futures of All Thirty Two NFL Teams: Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Other Not So Simple Scenarios." And he's got different buckets for each of the quarterbacks in the league. For example, committed without reservation. This is the the team to the quarterback. The Chiefs are. Committed without reservation to Mahomes. Yes. Same with the Bills and Josh Allen, the Bengals and Joe Burrow, the Chargers and Justin Herbert. And then the next one, number five, and this is from a franchise perspective, the Browns committed with some reservations to Deshaun Watson. Well, they might have some reservations, but it seems to me like if you have a guaranteed deal like he has, they're committed without reservation. Yeah, and he's going to start this week. This yeah. is his week coming off of his suspension in Houston. Uh, in Houston, he'll he'll be the starting quarterback because you paid him too much money to not be. It, it doesn't matter how well J- Jacoby Brissett did. He knew that come Houston week week twelve, mm-hmm. he would not be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns anymore, and he he did all that he could do. Sando has two teams that are committed and content with their quarterback situations: Dak Prescott in Dallas and CD Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Yeah, I didn't agree with the Kirk Cousins ones. I think Dak and and Dallas they're definitely committed and content. They they signed into a long term deal. They know he's going to be their guy. Kirk Cousins is the one that's a little strange to me because. He's made so much money in his career for not being an elite quarterback. He's taken franchise tags. He took a three-year deal for Minnesota, all guaranteed, 90-some-odd million. Mm -hmm. He's made a lot of money to not be one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league year in and year out. And I I, I think as well as Minnesota has played this year, they're still a quarterback away, an elite passer away from being that team that gets over the hump. They'll win the division because... Uh, Green Bay doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have no desire to. Chicago uh, is there, and then, and Detroit is a year away from from really competing in that in that um, division. Uh, but they seem like they are committed to them based off a of salary. But I don't feel that they're very content because I think they're going to have to find another quarterback either in a draft 
uh, and and go that route to try to get over the hump to be a championship football team. Now, another franchise that's committed to their quarterback with questions, according to Mike Sando, is the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're more committed to him right now, just based on the lay of the land among NFL contracts, than he is to them. He wants the full guarantee that Deshaun Watson got. As a matter of fact, one executive told Sando, I think if Deshaun didn't get a fully guaranteed deal, my guess is that Lamar would have gotten a deal done. They are frustrating to me, the, the the Baltimore Ravens. They have lost four games, all of which they have been ahead in the game at some point. I believe in the fourth quarter. In the fourth. They were winning each one of those games um, in the fourth quarter and found a way to lose. And, and he hasn't been performing particularly well. He hasn't been throwing the ball. They have to get him a number one receiver. They have to find they're, – they're recycling mm-hmm. players as well. Yep. I talked about recycling quarterbacks. Deshaun yep. Jackson is back in the fold. Yeah. He is the guy that they're trying to throw the ball to. They have to find a number one receiver, a true number one receiver, and and they are committed to him. And as you said, I, I think the questions are on his end. What are you all going to do? But he's stuck. He's going to mm-hmm. get franchise tagged if he does not want to play. If he does not want to sign a new contract next season, he'll get franchise tagged, and then he'll probably get franchise tagged again, mm-hmm. kind of like what I talked about with Kirk Cousins, making a lot of money but not having that long-term stability that most players you know, uh, yearn for. And then, Kerry, there were three that I really took note of. Number one, Mike Sando has the Titans as committed with questions to Ryan Tannehill. Titans would save $27 million in 2023 cash and nearly $18 million in cap money if they moved on from Tannehill after this season. And I don't think that they are that committed if they were willing to take a quarterback in the third round. Yeah, I would put them as non-committal, not not committed at (laughs) all. You drafted a quarterback in Malik Willis in the third round who most people thought was going to end up in the first round, fell back a few rounds, and... He has played a couple of games. Ryan Tannehill got hurt. You threw Malik Willis in. He he didn't perform, you know, especially well. It, it, there are some things, some bumps and bruises that come along with being a, a rookie quarterback. But if you go and draft him in the third round, knowing that Ryan Tannehill has performed, the, the, the playoff picture is probably most ingrained in Tennessee Titans fans' minds, how, mm-hmm. how poorly he performed in the playoffs last season. And then you go out and draft a quarterback in the third round. I don't think that they're very committed to him. He may be on the roster next year, but with with kind of that yeah. passing of the torch to Malik Willis um, to be the starting quarterback. Three teams rated as committed with concerns, and we can uh, zoom by these because it's all obvious. Kyler Murray with the Cardinals has the big money. They have to be concerned. Russell Wilson with the Broncos has the big uh-huh. money. They have to be concerned. Matthew Stafford with the Rams. They have to be concerned. The two that I thought were notable, aside from Ryan Tannehill, were the Eagles and the Dolphins. Jalen Hurts, who's the favorite to win the MVP this year, evaluating and optimistic is what he says about the Eagles. Same with Tua with the Dolphins, evaluating and optimistic. You might have your numbers one and two MVP candidates, and I would say that with those two teams, they're beyond, uh, as a matter of fact, I would say they're committed and optimistic. Yeah, I don't think they're evaluating anymore. No, 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 no. They are committed, especially with... I mean, with both of them because they're playing so well. But Jalen Hurts, he's going to get paid this offseason. He is on. He he does not have the fifth year option because he wasn't a a first round draft pick. So he's going to get paid this offseason going into his what will be his final year under contract. 
So they're committed. <laughs> Without mm-hmm. questions, they are committed to him. He's playing at, a, at an MVP level, uh, an all-pro level. He's going he's gonna to finish top three in MVP voting. I think Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, should win it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, because even though Jalen Hurts is doing outstanding things, Patrick Mahomes is on a different level. Easy to take him for granted. Uh, yeah, I, I we I always did. do. Yeah. <laughs> and we always yeah. will because he is he, – he's just at, at such a level that, that is so consistent – you never see him going up or down. Um, but they are committed to Jalen Hurts. They're going to pay him this offseason. He's going to get a nice size deal. And now the, the question for Jalen will be, do I take the, the 35 or $45 million? Do I take somewhere in between? Because what we've seen, and we saw it in, in, in Seattle, we've seen it throughout the, the history of time, when you pay that quarterback that amount of money, the rest of your team starts to stink. Yep. Because you cannot afford anyone else. And so – it's going to be on him to decide where I want to be on that pay scale. Do I want to be up in the, uh, the, the top tier of those guys getting paid the, the $40, $40 million, or do I want to take a little bit less? Most players never take a little bit less. They always take the, main, the, the big contract, and it's up to the, the, the scouting department to find guys that can come in here and play for cheaper. By the way, are you optimistic about Geno Smith? It's amazing that we are having a conversation about Geno Smith at this point. I am I'm optimistic that he'll be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks next year. Me too. And and he will, he will probably sign a deal, a, a two or three year deal where where, you know, he's getting paid a significant amount of money. He's not going to get the Jalen Hurts deal, but he'll he'll get a twenty twenty five million dollars and and. He's earned it. I was listening to Keyshawn this morning, who has made the determination that Jordan Love can't play. I don't know if you how you watch Geno Smith after all of this time and say a guy that's played in two NFL games can't play. I was listening to Bob Myers. Um, he was on the podcast All the Smoke with with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes, and they were talking about how it's so interesting how when when guys don't do well in the league, whether it's basketball, NBA, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, they automatically assume that the player can't play. And sometimes it's the organization that that player is on that he goes to that has put him in a in a terrible situation to not succeed. Geno Smith seems to be the, the 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 picture of that. I've been in organizations where I didn't have opportunities. He was in the Jets. He maybe not have been mature as he needed to be to be a starting quarterback at that time, but now you're in Seattle and things seem to be going in the perfect way for your career. And it took some time. But it's always it's not always on the player. Sometimes it's on the organization not being in the right place. Was Bob Myers talking about Andrew Wiggins? Yeah, he was. He actually was. He was talking about Andrew Wiggins, a number one overall pick, a guy that everyone said, oh, he's a bust, he's not this, he's not that. He comes to Golden State and becomes a, 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 a all-star, an yeah. all-star, and, and a champion. And so, yeah, you you sometimes the guys are in the wrong place in the wrong organization, surrounded by the wrong people, and they go to a different place and they have success. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, you think we're in for a roller coaster with the Blues? Are they ever going to be consistent for us? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I've had some coaches tell me over the years that by the time you get to 20 to 25 games is when you really know the personality of your team. And, I mean, maybe we should, maybe we are just a Jekyll and Hyde team. We talk to the coaches almost every single day, nearly before every single game, and kind of get a good idea what the game plan is. And you're sitting there going, well, that game plan will work. And then it just doesn't get executed. You know, you go to that the power play goal that the Blues gave up in Tampa – 
You know, they drew that. They watched video of that specific play. They said, here's what we have to guard against. And, and you know, they, they still let it happen. So at some point in time, the veterans on this hockey team are going to have to take grab a hold of the team. It's going to have to become, in my opinion, a little more hierarchical, for lack of a better way of putting it. That is the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. The Blues started off with three straight wins, then they lost eight in a row, then they won seven in a row, then they lost two in a row. Looked like they were going to lose three in a row, but they wound up coming back to win against Florida. And, Kerry, I look at this team, especially when Josh Levo is on a line with Ryan O'Reilly, and I don't think that we have to expect a roller coaster. I do believe for the reasons that Curbs outlined there, because of the veteran presence and leadership on this team, I think things will settle down and they'll become a more consistent group. Now, are they going to become a thoroughly consistent group? No, there's no hockey team, aside from this year's Boston Bruins, that's completely consistent night in and night out. But I don't think we're going to see these wild swings. I, th- I think the Blues can be a-, a team that, over the course of every 10-game span, goes 6-4, and 7-3, and three, plays 650 hockey. We would hope so. I mean, yeah. the, the the ups and downs, the, the eight-game losing streak and then the seven-game winning streak, you, you're kind of trying to figure out who this team is. They're 21 games into the season right now. And I guess 14 games ago, we were uh, – 10 games ago, we were kind of like, oh, this is this is pretty bad. We got we to gotta figure out and see who we are. And then you start to go in the right direction. But then the game against the, the, the Panthers on, on Saturday night, you're looking at it and saying – Okay, we're about to lose three in a row. Mm-hmm. Like we are, we are well on our way to losing three games in a row because they just the inconsistency, the inability to play a full. I don't know. I don't know, Randy. Has this team played a full sixty-minute hockey game yet? When you like, even even during no. the win streak, a full consistent sixty-minute hockey game where you knew what you were going to get from this team, all three periods, <laughs> twenty minutes each period. Did you have you seen that from them yet this season? I thought they played the last 40 minutes against Anaheim really well uh, in the last game of the winning streak. Both of those games were strong against a much weaker opponent. The, I thought, maybe, the, maybe the first Anaheim game where you went yeah, 6-2. Uh, and, and by the way, the, the game at Colorado where they won 3-2, yes. that was a pretty solid effort all around. But it's 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 it doesn't feel like it's it's the entire game. And maybe, no. maybe here or there you have a, a, a couple of games – it just feels like it's it's on and off for them, and I don't know what the the missing component or the missing key is to play a full game. Baruby, we, we we were listening to his his segment uh, his 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 um, interview earlier, and he was saying the effort. Mm-hmm. And when you're a player, effort is the one thing you can control. I can't control if this guy is bigger than me, faster than me, stronger than me, but I can control how hard I play, how well I do my job um, every single play, and and so. If you'd have guys who are not giving great effort for 60 minutes, that will eventually explode and be a huge problem. I do think, aside from teams like Anaheim, and there are some really bad teams in the league, but for most of the teams, 26 of the 30, maybe 28, they're good enough, the, the worst teams are good enough to swing momentum for a while. And there's it's not that there's a lot of goals, but it is a game of, of runs, and you're able to maintain puck possession in the offensive zone if you are a representative team. And the Blues should be better than those. So I'm with you. If the Blues provide that effort over the course of, even if it's not 60 minutes, if it's 50 minutes, they, they should be able to prevail most nights. I think one of the other things that, has hurt the Blues 
is not having a Colton Pareko that's 100%. I, I think that he's a much bigger part of this team than people give him credit for being. Is he? So you believe he's he's not 100% because I I, I've is. seen some some things. When I talked about not getting back or not, not hustling back as, as hard as you can, you can tell when guys are skating hard and when they aren't. Mm-hmm. And it was a time, I, I, I forget which goal it was, uh, versus the Panthers, where he did not, it was not a, a full, I'm trying my best to get back and get into the play, um, and, and it cost a goal. It cost us a goal. So if you are if you think he's injured, that would speak to that. Yep. But if you're injured, here's my, this is what I always said when I was a player. If I can walk, I can run. And if I can walk, if I can run, I can play. And if I'm playing, I'm going to give you everything. If I... I, I honestly thought if I died on the field, what better mm-hmm. way to go than that? I, I, because that's that's who I am. That's what I want to give, you know, to myself, to my teammates. I'm going to give you everything I got every time I'm out there on the field. Are there times where somebody is is bigger and stronger than me? Yes, but it's not going to be from a lack of effort. But I think with where the Blues are now, with all the injuries, I think a 65 percent Colton Pareko is better than the next man up. Well then, that means you need to find some guys that are that are right. are, are are better and and not have to have a sixty five percent Colton Pareko yeah. out there. Because when when he missed the game, you still didn't have Bortuzzo back. Perunovic is out. Uh, How uh, much has that injury hurt? Scandella. I think it's been a big thing. It's been a big deal, huh? Yeah, just it, not having him. He he popped last year in the playoffs. He yeah. was especially on the power play. He was a visible guy. Yeah. And now I just I, I don't know if. Number one, I don't think he'll be back this year. But a, a guy like Pareko, I, I think the the onus on him is greater. Maybe it is a bad back because they're leaning on him so much. <laughs> but I, I think the onus on him is, is greater, even if he's not 100% healthy. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, rock and roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Who do you guys got in that Brazil-Switzerland matchup? Uh, Brazil's the betting favorite for the entire tournament. Now, they are without Neymar. I will say that if you if you weren't paying attention. The betting favorite did lose their best player. Mm-hmm, so is. I'm not sure how much that you want to shift your betting with that said. But I think I'd still go with uh, Brazil. The problem with Switzerland, they don't attack very well. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for laughing at that, Randy. Beautiful. I thought there were people out there who definitely took that 100 percent, just like on the face that I do not think they have a good attack. <laughs> Randy funny. character, and that's why I love you. Okay, so uh, this is uh, let's see, Brazil. Oh no, Switzerland's plus 330. No, the game is plus 330 to tie. <laughs> Okay. I'm guessing Brazil's probably favored by a goal and a half. I'm guessing it's Brazil minus one and a half. Over under zero point five <laughs> minus eighteen hundred. I'm taking the I'm taking the over on that one. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I'm taking the over on that one. Right. What do we uh, got speaking of some other soccer news, this isn't technically a rock and roll. I just forgot to mention it in the update because it came in uh, early, uh, a few minutes ago in the show. And I didn't I didn't put it in my list. Uh, St. Louis City SC has made a new signing. They have signed 28-year-old uh, right back, former Vancouver Whitecap, Jake Nerwinski. He has 158 appearances um, across his the last seven years of his MLS career. They signed him to a two-year deal with an option for 2025. So they're filling out the back line there as we have some 
soccer news there. And this wasn't going to be my first thing, but we're talking soccer. We're talking World Cup. I just wanted to get your guys' reaction from uh, a little USA USA on Friday, Black Friday. They tied England a little unexpectedly. Uh, sorry, it, there it was, you they go. drew yeah. England. I got to change my terminology. <laughs> they drew England, um, but that was kind of a surprising. Uh, response. I think a lot of people expected a 2-1, 2-0 kind of loss to the United States, but nonetheless, a draw with England. How did you guys feel about it? Strong D. I loved it. Puts them in a position to to come out of their pool and, and do some do some outstanding things. You just got to beat up uh, Iran. Iran. On. Is it Iran or it's, Iran? It's Iran. It's Iran. It's Iran. Iran. Iran is how the technical way to say it. Iran. You're not supposed to say Iran. I'm in America. That's wrong. This is America. So it's, it's supposed to be pronounced Iran. Yes. Okay. As one of the textures was very, <laughs> very angry at me for calling it Iran uh, when I did a week, a few weeks ago. Wait, By the way, a texter was angry? Yeah, I know. I love what? our texters. They hate math, but they love grammar and pronunciation. I said, I think uh, I was the culprit who said especially instead of especially oh, earlier in the show. I didn't know got, who said that. We got somebody, we got a texter who was very angry about that. I tell you what, they, again, not big math fans, but they love, they love their grammar here on the text line. But no, I thought it was a great game. Again, very defensively minded, but I do think the atmosphere around what I was seeing from the celebrations. I had a, some friends, in fact, Andrew Marsh and Action Jackson from here at 101 ESPN. They Were went they down. To, they went down to Ballpark oh. Village. They did not go to Qatar. <laughs> no, they went down to Ballpark <laughs> Village and just the atmosphere around people for the United States. I'm really excited for tomorrow. If they win tomorrow and get into the round of 16, I'm extremely excited going forward. I'm actually impressed by how much people are responding to the World Cup, especially with it being an awkward one. With especially. all the, with, no, son of a. <laughs> Especially, we got especially it. with it being some <laughs> hey. weirdness around it, with it being in CBC the winter. CBC education, God, damn. <laughs> <laughs> they're not in school today because they want to. They want to stay. Congratulations to them! Yeah, yeah those kids good are, job. Well, no, really, that good was job. the problem when I was there. They won too many national. <laughs> they won too many state championships, and I got too many days off, so I don't have, know my gram well. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, is all I'm trying to say. So go United States on uh, tomorrow when they face off against Iran. 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 Okay. Um, this is the what? thing that. I, Can I go, go back ahead. real quick? Go because they, they, the, yes, they tied England, but they should have beaten Wales, correct? They should have beaten so, Wales. So, so, in theory, they should have been atop of of the pool. Had they had they beaten Wales, tied England, and then in all, uh, for all intents and purposes, two more points, supposed yeah. to beat uh, Iran. 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 <laughs> that place. Yes. That's the thing is, it's too defensive, and that's what Randy's saying. The defense looked good against England, but at the same time, that's the thing we were criticizing really after the Wales game. We can't be talking about defense on Wednesday morning when we're talking about the United States Iran game. We have to be talking about offense. Just, I mean, a four nothing. Just drub them. Don't, don't make me nervous because I'm going to be sweating the entire Tuesday. I don't need that. A lot of great defense here, but let's go a little old school America. Let's bring some offense to the soccer field. By the way, just out of curiosity, because you know the answer to this, and I don't, for the U.S. to have essentially half the game of possession time, 45% for the USA, 55% for England, against that opponent, is that pretty good for the USA? Yes, that's extremely good for the USA, especially because the uh, England's a very usually a very good possession team uh, in their own right, and so being able to have that kind of possession mark against them is extremely impressive. All right, cool. And what, what should we have against Iran, like 80%? Possession time. That's a lot. Like seventy. It should be like seventy percent. Again, they're not. They're not okay. that terrible. So we I should be. Over, we I think should. we're overrating. But but I'm just. You just. You look at the difference between. I mean, look at look at 
than when they played against England. And look at the United States. There's one or two guys on the Iranian team who have big Europe experience. As, and as much as we talk about the United States players needing more of that kind of experience, there are still five or six guys who are getting big-time experience. Now, the majority of the starting lineup is have been playing for European clubs the majority of their time. But I'm saying that there's five or six guys who get big-time minutes on big-time European teams. There's simply a difference in talent between the United States and Iran, and you have to take advantage of so, that when you have a round of 16 spot on the line. The, the best U.S. player, Christian Pulisic. Yes. Post-game press conference. How did you get to that ball to maintain possession? I ran. <laughs> I got a question. Since we're, since we're on the topic of soccer, let's stay here. Um, let's stay here. I was watching the Ghana. I told you I was watching Ghana and Portugal a couple of days ago. And Ghana scored a goal to go up 2-1. The, the, the guy, the two of their best players, they took out. They took him out of the game. What 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 is the purpose? The one that scored the goal, they took him out. The one that assisted on the goal, they took him out. They said the one that assisted was the one of the, the best player. I think Kuz, Kuzkos or Kuzos. Or, I don't know his name. I don't want to ruin his name. But either way, don't even try. it was amazing. That why would you take your two best players out? Because it's still uh, extremely hot in Qatar, and <laughs> your two best players. They, You're telling they, me, hold they, on, they, they because run, I tried on to, on okay, CD. I asked the question. They, they had they, run, the, the yeah. Dolphins <laughs> took out 2A yesterday. <laughs> it was too hot. Yeah, in Miami. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. They're, they're going to have a. Have, they have another they game. They can't come back in the game. They have another game in four days. So you're thinking we're already up on. We're going to win this they game. Lost. But also, you get fresh. Let you also have to think about the factor of how much better is your sub at 100% versus the rest of the other team at 65%. I need and somebody. And you got to think. We can take advantage of the fact that we can just outrun them with a guy who's healthy and has fresh legs because everybody else on the Ghanaian team has just run six miles Matthew, across the last hour Matthew. and a half. Yadi never came out. You don't take Yadi out. Yadi didn't run a lot. You don't take out your degrees, best players. He's squatting down by and don't blink. That's hot. With all that gear on? Come on. He didn't run a lot, though. Come on. He walked back and forth to the dugout after each half hey, inning. He squatted a lot more than those days. <laughs> he did. That's and true. And by the way, to take a break, he just didn't get to lay down and get taken off on a stretcher. That's, he, that's, that's also amazing to me, too. That's why there's 10-minute delays in this game. 10 minutes <laughs> okay. of extra time. Also <laughs> extra time. My, <laughs> Americans, Randy we, was counting down the game. Americans, He's like, game we gotta, is over. Yeah, oh, we no. got to figure out extra time. Randy was counting down uh, the final seconds of the South Korea and Ghana game earlier today as it ticked down from 89 50, he counted out the last five seconds. I was like, Randy, hold up. There's going to be 10 more minutes of this game. <laughs> Randy was very confused. <laughs> Randy was very confused. Speaking of, uh, that's that's all I got. That's all I got <laughs> for rock and roll. Okay. The, we got plenty of other topics, but I'll kick them down to another day. We got Danny Mac on the other side. Danny Mac is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You saw Danny Mac on Blues pre and post game for the last couple of games. He's with us now on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Good morning, Daniel. How was your holiday? It was great. How about you guys? Everything was terrific. Thank you. Enjoyed the the turkey and the sides and the the French silk pie. It was all really good. Did you uh, survive? It sounds like you made it. Yeah, no problems at all. Everybody seemed to have a good time. So it was a good uh, sports weekend. You know, I mean. Uh... You had a little blues uh, action, nice uh, nice win in Miami. Yet, well, I guess Mr. Deardorff is probably having a pretty good weekend, too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. How about what 
has happened now with Jim Harbaugh against Ryan Day to the point where Ohio State fans now want their coach fired? Isn't it amazing? I mean, if you don't beat Michigan, uh, you're out. And he's got, what, two Big Ten losses. Both are against Michigan. And I guess it should show you when you have a, a coach that's got a resume and Jim Harbaugh has got a resume from his playing career to what he did at Stanford to what he did with the 49ers to the fact that three years ago they were about ready to run him out of town to the fact that he gave back a portion of his salary to now that they're thinking that, okay, now we're on the cusp of a, of a national championship. It's amazing. I mean, when you have guys in, in college that have a resume, if you stick with them and have the patience to do so, even with the transfer portal, uh, you stick with those guys and give them that chance – uh, they're going to win, and I bet Kerry feels that way with Brett. You know, Bielma. If if you stick with a guy because they've done it before, and you give him that chance, they're probably going to win. It, it, you, you may have some bumps in the road. You're going to have some ups and downs, but if you give them that five year plan to get their guys through, even with a transfer portal, and they get their recruits through, more times than not, they're going to find a way to win, and that's been the case with uh, with Jim Harbaugh. Danny Mac, that Ryan Day has lost five games in his career at, at Ohio State, two of those games being against Michigan, and they're talking about firing. Is there any other position where if you lose two games to, to a, a, a rival like that, that someone would be considering firing you? Is there, another, is there another job in sports that is that way? Texas A&M when you pay somebody a hundred million dollars, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's lost more. Than, he's lost more than than a few games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, then you, then you got to keep him because you pay him a hundred million dollars. Exactly, eighty six million dollar buyout, no doubt about it. Hey Dan, there was a great piece yesterday in the New York Times about the Los Angeles Rams and how they really sold out for everything to win last year's Super Bowl, but they're going to be terrible for the foreseeable future because of the money and the assets they gave up to get the players that they had to win the Super Bowl. And that was one of our questions this morning. Is it worth it to go all out to win one year if you know that you're going to have to have a half dozen bad ones? And it's it's a good question. I I would imagine it is, but those half dozen years are going to be tough. And I, I think specifically speaking about um, I think every market is different, personally. I, I think, though, for them, it's going to be very tough because, you know, when you look at what that stadium does, it's going to be filled with the visitors, you know, 80%, 90% capacity with various teams that come in. I mean, you think about when Pittsburgh comes in, Dallas comes in, the Chiefs come in, Green Bay comes in. Can you imagine the 49ers come in? It's going to be 75%, 80% of their fans. So, you know, that, that's the thing that you got to consider. I, I think if you look at it from the market of, of St. Louis, that if you were talking about the Blues or the Cardinals, it's going to be Cardinal fans. It's going to be Blues fans. But if you said that you're going to give them a championship, um, I don't think Cardinal fans would accept that. I don't really think that Blues fans would be all in with that now that they've won. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think some fans would look at it and say, yeah, give me that championship. But I think other fans would say, no, I want sustained winning and, and throw me in that that uh, that opportunity to at least have a shot at it. Give me sustained winning and give me a chance at it. I, it, it is a it's an interesting dynamic, though, isn't it? 
It definitely is. I was telling Rand and I were talking about it. Pittsburgh Steelers and the St. Louis Cardinals seem to be uh, two franchises that are most alike in sports where you have an opportunity to win every year. You may not win it, but the fans still are frustrated when you don't win. And, and you look at the converse with the Los Angeles Rams going all in for a championship. I agree, Danny. I don't think fans would be here, would be would want to, to sell their, their future for one championship and not have an opportunity for, for five, six, eight years in a row. I would say carry probably the Spurs there for a good yeah, run too. Yep, yep. You know they they had so many good players and and built around David Robertson, uh, David Robinson for so long, and you know had a dominant center and had a chance and then built around him with Ginobili and, and some of the great players that they had. That you know you get in and you got a chance. Um, I just I, I don't know. I mean, sustain winning and then having a chance to get into the dance and see what you can do, kind of like what the Phillies did this year. You, you just don't know. And I, I, the expectations for Cardinal fans are to win. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think if you're a Cardinal fan going into next season, especially with what took place this last year, you know, with the fact that you have money that came through the coffers and, and, uh, and it's there to be spent, I think the expectation is, hey, you've you got to get a catcher and you've got to improve your offense some way somehow to protect you know two guys that are MVP candidates or one that did win the MVP the expectation is that there should not be a drop off and if anything there should be an uptick and and that's okay that that's a good thing and so I, I I would expect them to be very competitive next year and have a chance to win Dan we we all focus in as we should on those two playoff games but I look at how Houston won the World Series I think the Cardinals just need more arms they and We've talked about this before, how baseball now, you kind of need a 35-man roster. And one of the things the Cardinals have to have, you look at Houston being able to put some of the best starters in baseball, like Garcia and uh, Urquidy down in their bullpen for the postseason. You just have to have arms down there in October. Randy, uh, this is where I've changed my tune from when the season ended to where we're we're talking now, and, and you and I have talked uh, extensively, some of the best conversations should be recorded. And we should just replay those when we talk over the phone. Uh, I, I'm with you 100. percent So I, I went back and did the numbers, and I wish I had them in front of me. I might have relayed the, these to you, uh, to you. I guess um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I did this. The, the the Astros bullpen, which does not get talked about enough in the history of the World Series and postseason. Now, it's expanded postseason, so they got more cracks at it, but they lived up to it. In, I think it was either 30 or 35 innings of postseason out of their bullpen in the history of it was the best ever. And I'm talking about in the amount of innings, ERA, uh, slugging percentage uh, against, the uh, batting average against, all the, and then you could look at the traditional numbers against. It was the best ever across the board. So what that tells me is let you know the Cardinals maybe should load up on arms, dominant arms. So mm-hmm. we talk about swing and miss, and I would love to see the Cardinals get a swing and miss starter, of course. But what is that going to cost you? A lot of money for one guy. And so maybe that swing and miss guy is Jack Flaherty, and he comes back. Now, we saw signs of swing and miss at the end of the year, and you may get that. But with the new rules – and the way that defense is going to be, especially infield defense, a premium is going to be put on that. I don't think we're talking enough about the athleticism that the Cardinals have on their infield defense. So maybe we're going to go, maybe kind of move back to the way that it was, and your infield defense is going to have more of a premium put on it. That's a good thing. So maybe there's a, 
a check in that box for the Cardinals, and that's going to be okay not to have as much swing and miss in your arsenal. So what does that tell you? Go get dominant arms out of your bullpen. And so maybe you take a one-year flyer on a Craig Kimbrell or a David Robertson or some of these guys that have track records where they've been dominant before and maybe didn't have great years last year, and you catch lightning in a bottle. And so they didn't have great years that jump off the page in terms of, you know, the saves, and, and they got knocked around a little bit. But I, I was looking at some of the, the other things, the analytics on them, and that was velocity and spin rates and some of those things. There's some guys to be had that you can get and fit them out there. And to your point, Randy, there are guys that uh, that could help this team. I do think that, you know, a guy like Zach Thompson takes another step forward. You have Ryan Helsley. You have Jordan Hicks, who's going to be available after next year, and a lot is, is riding on him, having a good year for him personally. He's going to be highly motivated. So maybe you load up and you say, well, traditionally now in, in modern baseball, you're only looking at going with a starter two times through. Load up your bullpen with dominant arms and try to win that way. And maybe that's the direction the Cardinals go. Daniel, always great to hear your voice. Glad Thanksgiving was good, and we will talk again soon. Always fun to visit with you guys. See you Monday. You bet. Take care. Danny Mack with us on 101 ESPN. By the way, one franchise that does a pretty good job of getting pitchers and fixing them and getting them healthy and back and get, having them be productive for them is the Dodgers, mm-hmm. who have interest in Alex Reyes. Oh. So it'll be interesting to see That's... if he winds up there and what they're able to do with him. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be tough. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, Team Mac and Ajax coming up with a balloon party. Great job today, as always, by our producer and engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD? Hey, sir. Thank you. Hey, thank you. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.